0: coming popular lar and-
1: I am your host, Orphan 18 Today we are going to take one last huge, wonderful, lovely look at Kurt And talk about Kurt and his arc and themes and everything and Kurt And I have with me some great guests
2: who love Kurt as much as I do
1: And I will let them introduce themselves
2: um, I'm Kelly, um, screen name is, um, Tumblr name is um, Kurt McKinnon
3: Hi, I'm Julia. My um, Tumblr name is Redheaded Gleek or Redhead Gleek. <laughs> sure. There's yeah, I was a little confused there. You're
4: present tense, not past tense. <laughs> yeah. Um, who am I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm SnarkyHag, Hag. I think you think <laughs> you're always
1: SnarkyHag. Hag. <laughs>
4: it's early sure. in the morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've been up for hours How are you really, oh goodness yeah. This is how I roll Do you sleep? I don't think you sleep That's the Sure,
4: sleep <laughs> <laughs> So,
1: let's talk about Kurt um, So, the first thing that I kind of wanted to talk about uh, Kind of looking at this to try and make it not as redundant as conversations we've had in the past I um, I wanted to kind of take a look at some of the bigger themes that have happened throughout the series and kind of like, when we think of cart, what do we think of what are the bigger things that come out? And one of the biggest ones is cart and sexual identity. And, um, just talking about the fact that Kurt started off. I mean, well, a lot of these characters started off as stereotypes and Kurt started off as this gay, the lone gay character and the effeminate, like, background like oh he wears corsets and tiaras and you know of course we jump into the the stuff with his dad really quickly but it started as you know the token gay character and really how during the show he grew around that and and out you know like his
2: character grew
1: so much from just being that
2: yeah, and I give Chris a lot of credit for that because when he the way he played the character, he did he wanted her to be more than just a stereotype. Like, um, I think for single ladies, they wanted him to wear, um, the same outfit as the girls, and he's like, no, I want to wear like put me in the guy's leotard or whatever. Um, so he wanted to. So Chris was the one who really, I give Chris a lot of credit for bringing depth to that character and making him more well rounded. Hmm, I think it's something that he fought for.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: in, in that. You know, he's not
1: going to be just, I think Kurt kind of started out as this Ryan Murphy-esque mini-me. And Chris was like, "We're gonna, I'm going to do this and do my own thing with it. And out of that, we get, you know, also something that comes from having a character on a TV show. You get to have characters that are developed and get to have plot lines and get to have stories and get to be more uh, most of the time than What they represented at the beginning And I think that's really cool
3: mm-hmm. But kudos oh. to Chris for being A 19 year old And being able to stand up and say No this isn't
0: mm-hmm.
3: Exactly how I want to portray it I really um, Yeah I hadn't heard that about the um, mm-hmm. um, Leotard or anything like that That's really awesome Yeah yeah, yeah. yep. Well, I, I think I, also
4: he thought it would be Embarrassing For himself I mean Mm -hmm. like you know There's there's multi Points why maybe someone Did not want to wear Mm. that Um, I'm sure the girls didn't really Want to wear that either but you know (laughs) You get you get what you Get Um, yeah I think It um, I think It was a really interesting transition to Start with I mean those of us who Have read the original pilot script Know that he was not there That they then altered something to a character that he could play and that he was appealing as a background character enough to really leap off the screen in a way where as his world began to be built, unlike some other characters who had their worlds begin to be built in season one, his just kept building throughout the Enti- I mean, there's some slowness in, you know, some later seasons, but his world just continued to propel forward. And, um, you know, there's that famous quote from like a BTS video, I guess, BTS, where they were all watching the pilot. And one of them says that Chris pulls focus yeah. and he does. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really says a lot. Like there's just certain types of um st- people who perform like a visual performance where there there's a charisma and an interest there and the way that he played Kurt was just nuanced enough to be more than just like oh he's so funny look at him self-deprecating funny I mean he was self-deprecating and funny but it was it was deeper than that and Mm -hmm. so as they started layering in all the stuff with his dad it became this much more interesting thing yeah Um, which is how I felt about a lot of Season one kids characters When they layered in the stuff with their parents All the stuff with Finn and his mom Even Quinn and her parents like it made her More interesting when they gave more backstory Um His just happened to be the parent that I care About the most and the, the way That they blended Uh Kurt's story in with everybody Else's story he Maintains a really strong Interest throughout the series Which is fascinating when you think that he wasn't planned. And what was planned instead of him was not great. Not Not great great at all. (laughs) For poor Mercedes' sake. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, and I do think it's fascinating uh, to the Chris point that you also have a character who, you also have an actor who is able to play a lot of emotions and a lot of layers in a scene. So when you have some of these, you know, you look at the early season one stuff and you see a lot of like, there's a lot of jokes and a lot of background moments, but you get these heavier emotional moments. And because that resonated, because Chris was able to play that, because Kurt was able to have these layers within a lot of, with not a lot of screen time, the character becomes popular and becomes somebody that people latches onto. And, you know, at least the writers were smart enough to recognize that and develop the character
4: more. Um, because I do think... I one think of the they th- put a lot of weight on his shoulders, like, as, as this character is able to maintain it, mm-hmm. they gave that. I mean, one thing that Glee did well is that it responded to how things were going um not necessarily just from fandom or just from I mean also like how things were going in the room which I think like one of the disconnects between fandom and the way things were going in the room is I think in the room Corey was wonderful and yeah in fandom everybody was like "Ooh, Finn season three I'm over it right but <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you have Chris Colfer playing Kurt who in the room Kurt was wonderful In fandom, he was wonderful. And out there in the greater world, in the time period this was happening, he was, like, you know, wished for for so long. I mean, he wasn't the first of any of those kinds of things, but just did it really well.
1: Right. I mean, I—and not—this isn't—what I'm going to say isn't going to discredit Chris or his accomplishments. But the, you know, the hundred people, most influential people of all time, times hundred most influential— Part of that was Kurt it, it wasn't Solely just mm-hmm. Chris Colford and his accomplishments which is I'm not like I said I'm not just crediting Oh that, no, I, think that it, I, think I
4: think it was, was, it was Kurt I think it was 100% if I think Him playing mm-hmm. Kurt Hummel Is why that was because It was before Land of Story stuff Took off in any kind of yeah. way And they don't really pay attention to what matters to children I mean they were talking about Pop, pop culture importance mm-hmm. Um which even then, I think he was self-deprecating about because he was talking about going to that thing and meeting people who had, like, cured hunger in other areas where, like, he and a Kardashian are there, you know, tweeting <laughs> about their <laughs> their dumb lives because of the way things, ma- you know, like, the change makers. Um, and I do think that there was a huge positive to Kurt being on TV. And there's a huge positive to Kurt being in Glee because...
3: fucking changed everything It just Mm -hmm. changed the whole Show I just think Ah. about how Kurtz Wasn't supposed to be there in the pilot And his whole Presence there Just changed the entire direction of the show Particularly in the later Seasons Mm -hmm. You know when you had so much exploration Of sexuality And gender identity And it all comes down to you had this background character that resonated and people wanted to know more.
2: Yeah. And I, I, I think mean, if, um, I'm sorry. No, nope, you Kelly, know, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I was, I was just thinking like, I wonder if I would have kept watching the show. If Kurt wasn't, wasn't, wasn't on there at all. And I think I would have kept watching it. Cause I am, I, I've always loved musicals, but mm-hmm. I don't would have been like a super fan the way I am now. No, I don't even I think, think I would have been just lasted as long either. Because think about it. Like what, Kept propelling
1: the show You know you've got kurt you bring in blaine sam mm. is connected to blaine Rachel and kurt were a big duo Like mm. a lot of things that propelled the show were related to kurt and think about the things that you know start Will he started to kind of fade away, you know it, it just I do think that he had a replay in fact, I don't know if the show would have been Think about why the show was so popular in season two And a huge part of it Huge part of it was Kurt and Blaine And I'm, you know Yeah, you take that out of the second season Does it resonate with audiences the same way?
3: No I mean, I don't know Because if you look at the numbers It was when we started focusing a little bit more On Kurt and his sexuality That some of the general audience started to fade away Yeah So you
4: know, but it's not a general audience show. I mean, it's it's a niche show that accidentally got huge. Yeah,
1: I also want to point out, kind of backtracking a little bit um, to the point of you know Chris and his acting abilities, and and I'm not again, I'm not discrediting Kevin or Jenna, but I and part of it is Ryan Murphy and what he related to. But I think, I mean, you look at how Kevin and Jenna's um, Artie and Tina kind of remained in the background for most of it. And because their characters were not as layered or had as much depth, but I I, I don't think that they're as strong as actors. Also, they weren't given this the great material. I mean, Tina got I was the shittiest say, material. Also,
4: like, well, I just don't think neither of those characters had like a hook to hook you in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, the other
1: thing I kind of wanted to kind of going from the like outside perspective to maybe the more story perspective I also think that it's fascinating when you look at kurt's sexual identity story at the very beginning you have this very uh, you know, I want to say coming out of the 90s into the 2000s story of here's this boy He's gay. He has to deal with his parents or his dad And then by the end of the series kurt being gay is just Second nature it's normalized it's Not these you know we get you Know all of these gay stories You get the spencer and alistar they're Making out there's no commentary about it And just how much the show Changed in six years mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. You know here's this gay Kid the story is about him being gay and Will his parents accept him to What a tragedy to yeah Yeah what
4: a triumph yeah Yes
2: yeah. Oh yeah,
4: yeah no it's it's so fascinating. true. Fascinating. I mean, the the culture changed, and it was a perfect time in Obama's America yeah. to yeah. allow that kind of thing to happen. I mean, we had a lot of huge jumps forward. Um, but yeah, it is it is interesting because they started with this. I mean, it's not like it was like the first gay teenager on television, but there there still weren't very many characters, and to have someone. So young and not have the conversation With his dad be like You know what do you know you're only 15 you know things Mm -hmm. will change Whatever like that kind of thing how does not be About a character in college or some other thing Like it was kind of revolutionary because There's plenty Mm -hmm. of society that felt like well you don't really know anything about yourself until you're forty-five. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and I mean, I always, I always look back on what I grew up as a teenager, which was Dawson's Creek,
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: the gay character on that. I mean, it was such a big deal. They didn't really let him have yes. a boyfriend. It was like he told his dad, and it was screaming and crying and yelling, and how dare you do this to the family? And you know, it was still. I mean, that was a reflection of how. Things were at that time. So it's not like it was a bad thing. I mean, that was very revolutionary itself because that had the first gay kiss on TV. But, um, it's like things build off each other and, you know, you get Glee. But then as the show even states, you modern family comes in and normalizes it even more. You know, you have will and grace before that for Glee to stand on. You have, you know, you have these things and but I do think Glee does a huge job, and I I again I'm just so fascinated by this idea that Kurt's story, originally is oh my god I'm gay is my dad going to love me too, you know I am getting married and I'm I'm having breakup issues with this you know and it's not about oh this guy and I'm gay and I'm so it's about just a human story and yeah. mm-hmm. that is what I think is really the most fascinating part of it.
4: I mean they 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 addressed the issue of what if everything goes terrible in Prager's? Mm. And from that moment, and, and they really set it up like, oh, Bert's going to have an issue. And from that mm-hmm. moment forward, they were like, no, fuck it. They'll just figure it out. It'll be fine. Like no more of this level of drama. And there's a little bit of back and forth about being replaced as a son when Finn comes in and there's some other stuff like that. But, I mean, it's all tied together, but it's never the drama of you're out of the house.
0: Right. I don't care about
4: exactly. you. You know, he yeah. he always has this support, um, which I think allowed him to sort of blaze forward with the show and with some other stuff, and really be able to um, maintain a certain bravery. I think in the face of everything. I mean, it was it was nice. Quite frankly, it was shockingly nice to see a parent support their kid. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um and I don't know I don't have the stats on how many times previous to that there was ever a parent parent of a gay person on television, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it's pretty low. I mean, and there's reason for that because sometimes parents suck on that one. Uh, but I do think it was an interesting story. And I just feel like, you know, Glee sometimes totally misses the mark and and sometimes they totally hit it. And they happened to with Kurt for 90% of the time hit the mark every single time on things that where there's a base of what you want and this thing you can build from. Mm-hmm. And then you get added in, you know, all of the people who got added into his universe made his universe more interesting. And They they came up with great choices of people to add in
1: and and not just straight characters I mean by the end of it again, you have you know Conversations between multiple you have like kurt and blaine and santana and elliot and unique and spencer and Alistair, and all of these like it starts to be such a bigger conversation than just the gay kid in the room um, so these people are living in an lgbt world And like, even in the second season, it's like, okay, we're not going to do, I mean, yeah, obviously Bert's still there and there's still a lot of family stuff and, and a lot of traditional, like the sex stuff and, you know, traditional stuff, but it's also, Hey, we're going to let this gay character have what is a traditional love story. And mm-hmm. to let him have I mean, yeah, some people are like, wow, well, this is too cheesy or too fairy tale or Oh, straight people have this story all the time Or we should have something, you know, different for that But it's like, that's the point To make it yeah. normalized, like you can have that same kind of Trope and have LGBT Characters fill that up
4: and yeah. it's, it's Normal
2: Yes, definitely
4: and, they, and in introducing Blaine, I mean, obviously they had already introduced Brittany and Santana, but in introducing Blaine They attempted to say, okay, well we move away from stereotypes. We make right. things slightly different. Well, and even you know, it's not, and they didn't Santana. introduce the Chandler character as. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: exactly. Well, but even look at you know Brittany and Santana, they would have been a jo- they would have stayed probably a joke if yeah. you know Kurt hadn't set a precedent. Like, hey, we're going to take this gay character seriously. Hey, maybe instead of making these two cheerleaders like a uh, gay, male gazy joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we take them seriously as Two young girls trying to explode their own Sexuality. Yeah mm-hmm. So Okay, cool. I'm um, kind of Moving on though. I want to kind of Touch upon Kurt and gender identity A little bit just Because it's something that keeps coming Up with our all the other ghost conversation And it's Just an interesting thing that I kind of started looking At with Kurt in the series And, and how at the very beginning, he was, a he, I mean, Kurt's always been an effeminate character across the board, but how he started very effeminate, um, but how effeminate doesn't mean actually a female, but, it, and I don't mean that in a bad thing, like if you, you know, if Kurt had decided to identify as a woman, that's fine, there's no nothing wrong with that, but it's an, I don't know, it's just an interesting thing that Fanon, kind of sometimes latched onto kurt's more feminine traits of him hanging out with the girls or him trying on corsets or whatever and how like the canon um actually takes kurt more into a masculine more traditionally masculine role without losing some of the effeminate trimmings and i just think it's an interesting thing
2: well, i think when he was younger he was more um what when he even said himself that he wore those those um, you know, elaborate outfits and everything. That was more of a, it was kind of like a, it was like a shield for him. It was like, it was like a way he like protected. It. it was like sort of a protective thing for him. Um then as he, as he got older, he didn't have to wear so many layers, but literally he, mm-hmm. he, had a, he got rid of a lot of the layers. I mean, to the point where he was like completely shirtless for half of season, season five. <laughs> um, mm. So I, I know snarky. <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, I didn't Rose make that noise. <laughs> oh, that wasn't you? <laughs> I just assumed it was Snarky. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when it's Kurt, don't always
4: assume. Julia, oh, goodness. <laughs> I mean, same. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, The other thing. Well, I kind wait, of. No. Oh, sorry, Because otherwise, I mean, I think, you know, so we're looking at teenagers. Initially Mm -hmm. and teenagers Are sort of like hyper reality You have a sense of who you are And you have a little Bit of a heightened version of that Feeling like you have an identity You need to express that identity You need to do a certain thing Especially a dramatic uh, Performance Interested like someone who's interested In theater like at all right so Like (laughs) you're going to Have who you are um, Extreme Right? Yeah. Think about um, Tina in season one, Rachel in season one, even Finn in season one, extreme Jack, extreme whatever. Puck is a great example, extreme, right? So you have Kurt who feels that he is a particular way, doesn't necessarily, I mean, he's in the middle of Ohio, it's not like he knows other people. So he has a sense of, um, you know will and grace and certain things like that, and so he 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 sees who he is, what he's interested in, and it sort of blossoms a little bit extra than it might. You know, as you as you age, you become a little less dramatic typically than when you mm-hmm. are a teenager. So he starts out Unless you very much Sure. Well, if you <laughs> if you make money on it, sure. If that's your job. Mm-hmm. Um, so he starts out very grounded in like, okay, I've figured out who I am and what I'm interested in. I'm a, I want to play with ideas. I want to think about things. I want to express myself. And these are all the different ways that it can come out. The um, exaggerated speech, the exaggerated hand motions, the exaggerated clothes, none of those things are off from who he is. And they don't, that's not who, it's not like he's not that in later seasons. He's just mellowed a little bit. Yeah. Because he's he's, he's all yeah. those things. So so we get this initial stereotype, partially also because he doesn't have he doesn't know how not to be that. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. it's also um, his
1: influences too. I mean, Chris said that he, um, who did he draw from? I thought Tim Gunn was one of them, but he drew from a couple of people
4: to create it. To create Tim Gunn is one of them, and, and Tim Gunn was great, one of them And I can't remember the other one. I want to say it was Miranda Priestley, but that's yeah. too similar. I'll Maybe you're close. Was... Uh-huh. Let me just tabby tick ticky tick type type. Well, well go that, ahead. but
3: it also I think goes back to our earlier point that we were talking about of how you know Glee in those first years was was so influenced by you know the Dawson Creek and Will and Grace and all of those. Very effeminate gay characters That they were bringing up And so, you know, that was Establishment of that And then as the series changed Those kind of stories And portrayals changed as well Mm -hmm. Yeah Yeah
1: And at no point are any of us saying, you know, if Kurt had stayed that effeminate, it would have been a bad thing. And it's not at all. I just think that Kurt grew into being a more complicated character Mm -hmm. than sometimes I see brought up in, like, Fanon works. Which is—and it's fine. Fanon is fanfic. You can explore a a character however you want. I don't care. But it just— it's, it brings up interesting conversations yeah. About things like gender um, yeah. One of the things In, that- in
4: terms of um, being effeminate And being feminine I, I've i always understood Kurt as someone Who is Not afraid Of feminine things Unlike most of the men in the Glee universe Who really push it away He has no issue with it He can appreciate it It doesn't make him necessarily a female or one of the females But if he likes the things that, that They like and he's comfortable with it And he's fine then maybe He would rather be with the girls As opposed to with the boys who base, who In his mind are basic They can only handle one mm-hmm. Half of the world they're not as Interesting they don't look at Things the same way um, You know girls are much More in depth Especially at that age and He's going to have interests that the boys are just going to make fun of. So why would he want to spend time with them? It doesn't mean that he is a girl. I mean, the only thing he has in, in, in common with some of these girls is that, you know, they all have a crush on the same dude. But that's mm-hmm. really not the same. He is still very masculine. He just doesn't shun the feminine and he doesn't shun the gender non-specific. He's just, Mm -hmm. he's comfortable with all those different things and taking influences from all those different places. And he has a deep appreciation for women that most men on the show do not have and do not Mm -hmm. express in any way. So he, I I, I find it frustrating when society says like, this guy who can appreciate feminine things at all is effeminate because he's not effeminate, not at all. And, and he's not just boy, Rachel, he's a separate kind of thing. Um, and so as he grows and, you know, people say, oh, he's changes, he's become more masculine. Well, no, not really. He doesn't, he still doesn't shun any of those feminine things or dislike any of those. I mean, he still likes all those things. You know, maybe his sweaters are coated a little more masculine and maybe that's because, He's grown and changed, and he likes the way he looks in more masculine clothes because he feels more masculine over time. We'll, we'll get to that, but that's mm-hmm. sort of how I read it. Well, and, and
1: also with that, they, Kurt has some masculine traits even at the beginning, even when he is more in this like stereotypical effeminate gay kid thing. I mean, Kurt and I mean, they talk about it, not even until season six with intimacy, but in being in touch with his feelings, which touches upon something else that I wanted to get to in this section, which is uh, being emotional versus being fragile, um, which is usually fragility is kind of usually coded as an extreme female trait, which is a whole nother issue. that, I, But um, this I, I was looking at it and how many times Kurt cries on the show and the fact that I, I came up with. Um is that he cries a lot in the first couple seasons um but it's always situational it's not like oh my god this bunny just got run over i'm gonna break down crying
3: um
1: it's in in the hospital yeah (laughs) it's heavy heavy emotional stuff and uh, like there's a difference between Kurt being a person who is in touch and okay to feel those emotions Even if he's not Mm -hmm. dealing with them outwardly because I do think he represses a lot of it how he feels about things Even early on very male Yep, (laughs) but as opposed to being fragile in that like He's so super sensitive that everything is going to just
2: make
3: him cry if that makes any sense
2: Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah
3: Yeah, okay one of the other things that I was just thinking about was that how Glee did a pretty good job of at least, you know, starting around season three or something, dealing with um, the differences between gender identity and gender yes. expression. Yep. Yeah. So throughout the entire case or the entire yeah. series, sorry, that was medical stuff coming through. Um, it's okay. <laughs> throughout the entire series, you know, Kurt has always stated pretty emphatically that he was, A gay man you know There was that whole Um episode I forget which one Where you know they were oh Rocky Horror putting him into Oh yeah into You know um Whatever Character Yes and so and he pushed back On that pretty hard saying That he didn't want to be thought Of um you know, to cross that, that particular boundary for him. And so, you know, and then you introduce unique, um, Mm -hmm. who, you know, um, she has to, dress masculine several times um, but you know her identity doesn't change um, and so they're really I, I thought it was really nuanced of how they could balance unique story um, as well as Kurtz, who Kurt explores some of the gender expression areas where he's wearing more feminine clothing or non-gender conforming clothing but still overall says that he is a man and unique um, and there are other transgender characters who, you know, say, I am a woman, even though I might be in men, men's clothing. Yes. Yeah. I think it was very important that conversation that he and unique
2: had the first time they met was mm-hmm. said. Say something like, well, you know, well, I'm a man and I can, I can appreciate feminine things and I'm still a man. And then unique says, well, that's because you identify
4: as a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's yeah. some, and that's He said, the, I didn't want you yeah guess. dress up like a woman. And there's mm-hmm. also a point where, um, in season one, where Bert and Finn are getting chummy and going to, like, sporting events and stuff, and Bert says something about how they're talking about guy stuff, and Kurt corrects him and says, like, well, I'm a guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: You know? Right. Like, yeah. I, I can be a part of this. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I like what they did with, what they did with Unique challenged Kurt. Which I think was very important. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. See, and this is this kind of ties all back into what the sexual identity stuff in that you stop having, like, you wouldn't, ex- for example, put one white woman on a TV show and say she represents all of womendom in the same way you're not going to do that. Yeah,
4: which unfortunately <laughs> <You would>.
1: happens, <laughs> except for they, they do that all the time. But, um, like. That's the thing, it's like you start having these different nuanced characters, I mean, when we talk about Kurt versus Blaine, how they're essentially very, very similar types of people, and yet they're different shades of similar types of people, and it's kind of cool that you get all of these different LGBT characters, and yeah, I mean, Glee is still... At the beginning of a lot of diversity Conversations they still had a long way To go there's still a lot of missteps there But it's better than just Kurt being the Representative one token gay kid Who represents everybody. Mm-hmm. so And the Fact that we can talk about the gender stuff And talk about the differences with Unique and how you know Identifying as a woman Um and and trans rights is just A different thing altogether Than being gay or straight Or bi or etc Okay um so Did you guys have any other things you wanted to talk About that before I kind of move into a different direction Or No
4: that's good I I liked I did I agree I do want to move on but I just want to say I like That they gave Kurt A few different times over the series To not be the expert on all things Not straight Yes they they had him Mess up because they think that Was important Okay now we can yeah. move on
1: <laughs> No that's a really really good point So
4: um,
1: So let's talk about Okay so Kind of getting into the career stuff I think it's fascinating because Most of the characters have one trajectory They're going to be famous and they're going to be On the stage and except for finn who's You know just has his Whole arc is what am I going to do with my life But with kurt we kind of get two Avenues we get this Love of fashion and we get This love of performance And I, maybe I'm just gonna open up to you guys And what do you
3: guys think about the fact that he gets these two t- trajectories Did he ever say in like season three that he wanted to do fashion at all Like that was a real career consideration for him I don't
4: remember I don't remember. think they addressed it until he until season was reassessing his life He was in New York and was like Well there's clearly only one place for me Vogue which is true <laughs> <laughs> Okay
3: Alright I was just I wasn't sure if I had
4: I mean they've always addressed his his Interest in it and his mm-hmm. his Affinity for it, you know his ability and affinity Towards it um,
1: uh, And I will add on to that Maybe they didn't explicitly say Kurt say I want to be in fashion But they did allow him to have Outside interests beyond performing in a way that they didn't let most of the other characters have other things that they were interested in i think like sam's an exception they let him be a teacher and let him be into sports but like for the most part most of these characters were broadway bound and performance bound and or sports you know yeah sports was the other Mm hobby and and the, the, the fact that they let kurt you know indulge and be At vogue.com and even Even though it's cut from this finale script Kurt has his own fashion line at the end of it And um, So I do think that it's like Okay this person is allowed to have More and he's he, You know unlike Rachel unlike Blaine He struggles with perf- the performance Part of that you know um, So I just thought it was an Interesting thing that He is allowed To be a character who has more than one dimension when it comes to these career conversations, especially when the show is so always pointed in one direction, firmly in one direction with most of its characters.
4: I do think that um, we are shown that Rachel and Blaine, etc., have one thing, but we're not actually shown that Kurt struggles with performance. We're shown that in Lima, Kurt struggles with being accepted, being appreciated, uh, being told how he's so great and never getting a solo at regional sectionals, invitationals, internationals, whatever. Um, but when he goes to Niata, he does well. well but I will he does really, really well he he obviously, you know he has to get in winter showcase, but that's partially because Rachel, Rachel took his spot, right? So he gets in at Winter Showcase He's not even invited, he doesn't even go here And he gets in, right? (laughs) Then, um, by the time Blaine shows up the next year He's already been chosen as one of the people Who's going to perform for June Dalloway From the select set of groups of people, right? Then, in his third year He's doing fine with his classes He's going to write a musical for the old folks home But instead he goes, like We have no reason to think that he's not crushing it At Niata. And we have no reason to think that once people are open to the concept of what kind of performer he can be, that he is successful. We only have reason to think that he likes to do lots of different things. And sometimes, to continue to hone his artsy side or his craft, he's going to be making jewelry or making a jacket. And sometimes he's going to be performing. And I think without doing lots of different things, I think Kurt would feel stale and he would get antsy and he would get bored and he would get frustrated. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't have any reason to think (laughs) that he isn't someone who can be as good as a performer. I do think that there's typecasting. And I do think that there's reasons why Rachel and Blaine can pass more easily into certain roles. But we really aren't ever told that he's not good at what he does. I mean, we're even... You know, we see him in um, class at Niata. I mean, okay, so like initially he shows up and he's not really sure what to do. He's eventually in the jock group somehow. We see him, um, I can't remember what the scene is where it's like, I think it's guilty pleasures where someone's performing their potty training and he gets up and (laughs) performs something. Like, he's not even performing his embarrassing thing. He's just performing some other thing and everybody else likes it. Like, we just, we really don't see him. Well, how do you? Once he gets in, in the once he June... gets his toe in the door, he does great. He just what you... has to have someone not be will and let him do it. Uh, how do you feel about the June Dalloway performance? Um, I think that he made a lot of really poor choices, and he screwed that up on his own. And I think that it's a learning curve. I think that. Um If he's going to do something, I think the song choice was perfect for Blaine and terrible for him, and I think that that performance, Kurt was supposed to be so awkward that he didn't know how to handle it, but maybe also we're supposed to be reading it from June's perspective, which is, this guy's kind of awkward, but oh, hey, I wouldn't mind banging his boyfriend, right? Like, So (laughs) it's it's just different. Um I think that um and I don't disagree with anything
1: that you said I just well, think there's good. an interesting <laughs> story. I mean if I if I did <laughs> I'd tell you um I think that there's an interesting story that they didn't uh, go further on with the stuff that in early season 3 where Kurt has to find his own you know place in what he's good at and what yes. what kind of You know like when They, say, okay, they you toyed mean- with the idea
4: of him being yeah. a writer Then he's oh, well. squashed Yeah well that's not, but that's the thing He does blaze his own path because The roles that exist Aren't necessarily the roles he He could play A role but He's going to be amazing In a role that he creates right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know if you really want to up your strength sometimes you have to create your own content and so they have him sort of in some ways creating i mean what they talk about in the finale is him creating his own content he's designing his own fashion stuff he and blaine decided to redo this play like they there's just a lot of different stuff where he's in control that's very important to him um and he is he is generating His own success, not because other people are giving him opportunities, but because he's making it happen And that's something that they continue to show Throughout his college years Well, they even toyed with it with the peppa Peppa middleton Uh thing that he was writing
1: and they do a little bit like they mention when you know He's the part of the peter pan and he helps you
4: know with that with the with the the Uh, Retirement home the Um, peppa middleton thing is a joke because you know, it sometimes is, he's you, interested in things that are jokey, but there is a legit ABBA musical, all right. So, <laughs> which people love. It's not that far off. Like, if he had done a good job with the Peppa musical, it would be just as legitimate as any other thing.
1: But even as a joke, I mean, like when I was in high school, we like m- me and another girl because we love writing and we love doing this kind of stuff. We rewrote, we rewrote as a joke. Um, Romeo and Juliet as a comedy To fit all of the, the <laughs> Seniors of my senior year And it was hilarious um, And yeah it was a complete joke But it was also something that Gave me experience as a writer mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm, I'm a little sad That Chris put the kibosh on the Full writing thing because I actually do think it makes a lot of sense For Kurt
4: and um, Well yeah. I'm glad He did because I want Kurt to sing Well oh yeah really? I mean i
1: wouldn't want to diminish that idea so what about julia kelly you guys have been really quiet because oh. i've been hogging things up blum, So blum, blum,
4: blum,
1: blum, 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 blum. let me just <laughs> type talk Yeah, <laughs> it was blaming me too i wasn't shutting up either <laughs> but
2: yeah i do think I'm, I'm glad that they had him creating his own content that's kind of they, they did kind of get that from chris's life which which like well like pam said they were going to go further with it and have him write a novel i believe um but, yeah, I am glad they had him creating his own content, because he is a, he is a unique person, a, a unique performer. Um, and I'm glad that they went that direction.
3: I think I would also agree with Snarky that, you know, we do see, even though sometimes it didn't feel like it, that we were seeing Kurt um, thriving at Inyada and being accepted for... Who he was, yeah. that whole thing with June, you know that that's outside of um, Niada. You know everybody. And June's painted as a villain. Still, she's the villain, yes. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it was really nice to see Kurt in his element and um, being surrounded by people who also saw um, how excellent he was as a performer.
4: Yes. I mean, look at what happens at Vogue even Like, you know, Rachel and Kurt Both got their guest star storylines And his guest star was like, oh, you're so great <laughs> I love you <laughs> Sure, you can show up sometimes Just show up, you're so good at what you do Just show up and it'll be great, you know like mm-hmm. His struggles are Personal struggles and internal struggles Once he gets to New York The world is not against him In the same way, I mean, they do They, they bring it back to Earth a few times, but his struggles of being bigger than Lima and, and trapped in that are uh, significant resolved. for mm-hmm. significant for when he was younger, and then mostly resolved. Where you know, then we have a little bit like, for example, we have Bash, where it's like, "Thought you were safe? Haha, no, it's not paradise." Um, so, I mean, we get some of that, but we get to see like he gets everything. He has to work for it. He has to struggle for it. It's not easy, but he gets all of the happy endings. He mm-hmm. and and it feels deserved. Yeah. I also kind of going in a slight different direction.
1: I think it's kind of fascinating that you get Kurt and he's got all of these career stories and you've got Rachel who is like I mean, yeah, Finn, and Finchel is a big part of the Glee, but like, her, she is so career focused that um that is her entire like story arc and her entire character directory. And like Kurt, I think it's kind of cool that he may not be ultimately the biggest Tony winner that ever graces the stage, but he has such a great balance and that he gets the relationships and, and he and you he often puts. His personal relationships before, I mean, yeah, I know you can argue about the breakup, but that's kind of an extraneous circumstance. Um, (laughs) I think that Kurt ultimately cares about people more than, even though he even says, like, I'm the most selfish person. And he's very selfish in a lot of ways, but I do think that he cares more
4: about people that he cares about, ultimately. than certainly more than a Rachel. Yeah, obviously, because Rachel... if, if Glee had ended without giving Rachel a Tony, it would have been like, what have we been watching this for? I mean, Rachel needed to get that Tony, and Mercedes needed to go on tour with Beyonce. Like, if that didn't happen, it would have been unreasonable. As insane as those two sentences are, if those two things didn't happen, I would have been like, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah. You know? What was the point? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, does it mean that Blaine doesn't win a Tony later? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that this is where rachel's at the end first the end the peak of her everything is all of these things these are this is her struggles fulfilled right Mm -hmm. and so these are some of kurt's struggles fulfilled and it sort of implied that later in life his performance struggles his artistic struggles they aren't that hard for him because he's interesting and he's creative and you know there's a reason why everybody at vogue loves him and there's a reason why everybody at nyata wants to put him in things and And it's working. And so, you know, Rachel doesn't struggle with relationships in the same way that people really care to talk about once Finn goes away. And also you could argue that J.C. St. James is a perfect match. So maybe there's no struggle there. Um, But it's just, it's a a different kind of emphasis. Um, I don't think Mercedes and Rachel's successes make it seem like other people aren't having successes. It's just, um, you know, where is where is the emphasis of their story? Those two characters, their their story has always been about their goals, their professional goals, and his story has always been about his personhood. Yeah, and and I,
1: in agreement with that, I was just thinking about how. Ultimately, yeah beginning with like wheels and and whatnot you have this this competitive nature that kurt has But at the end of the day, I mean like even in wheels he blows the note so he can protect his father Mm -hmm. and rachel would never do that
4: Mm -mm.
1: His happy endings are tied into his family and his friendships and the people that he's related to not necessarily those career highs That rachel is You know I mean
4: he He wants them and he clearly will Achieve them um, right. And You know I think that he also as, as he moves forward I think he Understands his craft he understands Is he a good performer The question is well yeah but he also Understands where He wins and where he Doesn't and I think he learns from the Jude Dalloway experience I think mm-hmm. That he makes adjustments And I think that he settles into, you know, this is my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. I can have great success in my wheelhouse. Well, and unlike Rachel, he's allowed to fail too. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. the thing—the difference is, I think that the parts that are available in their wheelhouses um, for Rachel, the parts that are available, is basically all of the things that are the leading roles. And the parts that are available for him are less Leading roles except for times change And moves forward And you know, I can fan cast Kurt Into any number of productions as a leading role And I think it would work
0: mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Yep, pretty much Yeah, he'd be a great okay. Marius
1: <laughs> Oh, kind
4: of oh I want I know, right? Oh. <laughs>
1: Um, kind of moving forward from that, uh, let's move into Kurt and music and his relationship with music throughout the series and how he's defined by the music that he sings and performs and is most um associated with his character arc.
4: You want to know what? Do you have a thesis about which oh, what is I mean, I the just, signs with him? Sure.
1: I mean, I just feel bad like when I do all the talking and like <laughs> you guys can tell me to cut up. That's not, totally fine.
3: I'm not entirely sure. Sure, what I'm talking about? Okay. Right. So, so why don't you clarify that, and I'll see if I have something to add.
1: Okay. So, for example, I'm looking at all of his sol- I have the wiki pulled up. I'm looking at all of his solos, all of his major, um, all of his major songs except for a couple. Are Broadway standards are standards that you know usually women characters sing. I mean, as they've joked multiple times on the show, he makes a living off of singing
4: girl songs. Um <laughs> Kurt sings the gay the gay man's playlist. He sings Broadway and Madonna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think
1: it's like he's the one of the neatest things about Kurt solos Is that he does, he's able to be engaging and able to really perform the emotion and really like let his emotions speak for him. With Rachel, you know, she gets up there and if she, you know, she has a sad song, you're like, oh God, another crying Rachel song. It loses its feeling. It loses its kind of, because she kind of has the same thing. But with Kurt, I think that's fascinating. There's a lot of, even with the same style, Um, he's very nuanced in all of his different performances and I think it makes him a fascinating performer Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah And when he has a line in a group song you notice it not just because his voice is different, but it's He has a, a singular quality That I find interesting So when rachel sings a song, okay, she's sung it just like the last person sung it but he makes songs his Yes And I think I think that's the kind of thing That makes you a really interesting performer I think when they do the 15th revival Of something on Broadway And you have someone show up and make the song theirs I think that it's meaningful You know, it's also yeah. interesting
1: Looking at these, this list I, I noticed that You know, we don't have a lot of Kurt solos Obviously we have a ton of Rachel solos We have a ton of Blaine solos We don't have a lot of Kurt solos They are... Story Especially, this, they're story driven. They're also deeply <laughs> emotional. Um I mean, I guess like "I'm the Greatest Star" isn't really that deeply emotional, but he. A but lot it's of a
4: callback. Is, yeah, it's all of it oh, is. Right, stopped. that's not the right word. It's yeah. It's <laughs> like referential. I'm sorry, it's not a callback. It's referential to what he finds meaningful, and you know, it is. I guess I could say it's a callback If I'm really stretching it to his um, Ongoing Embroilment with Rachel
1: Yeah Um, Kind of looking at these duets Though it's kind of interesting I mean he gets a lot of duets With Rachel he gets a lot of duets With Blaine Um, He doesn't I mean there's some with He's got his two with Mercedes Again they're mostly Story driven They're mostly purposeful he doesn't Have a lot of The random Pop songs that you know Like Artie and mercedes are Always singing the random like pop song that Like just happens to be there And he he is He's just got a different style And a different Strength than maybe Some of the more traditional minded singers That are on the show
4: Mm -hmm. He does but also I think if um, you listen to The duet with Elliot The current lead singer of Queen um, mm. That I believe in a thing called love He's mm. fabulous on that
0: mm-hmm. He's yeah.
4: fabulous on that kind of rock song and we, we barely get any of that kind of stuff Because, you know, he has His his narrative is driven by um, And a musical story as well And I like the fact that they gave mm-hmm. Characters Musical attachments to their stories, not just like, well, this is the genre this one person can sing. I mean, maybe they don't do it very well with everybody, but they do it well with Kurt for one reason or another. Um, there are a few times when he jumps out of his regular genres and it's like, wow, this kid can really do it. You know? Yeah. I am a little sad that they didn't let Chris
1: sing a bit in his lower register Um, I feel like especially with the getting it's like, oh, he can sing girl songs. Let's give him all the high stuff and i'm not I I, this is a personal opinion thing because I think he sounds just fine in that upper register But he's got such a great beautiful range that I love some of the
3: lower stuff Well, and I also found it listening to his music over As I do, you know, I I listen to the gleam music when i'm driving to work every day um because it brings me joy and um, but he um He often takes the harmonizing part with all of his duets. And so it's very rare that they allow him to take the um, main line that he's always harmonizing. And I always, I feel a little bit of a loss when I hear that. Because his voice is so beautiful on his solos, but then it's always taking a second, the second step down. During these um, these duets, where his partner takes the main line, yeah. I understand why they do that with Leah Michelle,
4: because she's got a big voice. But also, I think that she doesn't sound good with most people she sings with. Most of her duets right. don't work for me. But but the Kurt and Rachel duets really work. So mm-hmm. I wish that they were a little more. Stephen and there are there are duets with Blaine where I'm frustrated because I'm like, man, that's not the right voice. Like that candles. needs to be switched. Well, no, uh-huh. not yes. just not just candles. There's lots of them where it really needs to be flipped, and I understand why all these choices are made, but those choices are stupid.
1: <laughs>
4: well, I would <laughs> love to have,
1: hear another example. If you think of it, let me know because I'm curious now. Candles is the biggest one, though. Candles, the harmonization is backwards on that, and it, it um. Um,
3: it's um, let me just one of their Christmas duets. Like, the harmonization is just wrong. That the white bird steps in, and well, one, they're not allowing him to use a lower register, and so, um, I think it's White Christmas. So, yeah. um, Blaine is on a really low register. Mm-hmm. I, I actually really oh, don't yeah, like I his agree. voice at all in Christmas that one. one and great. so then the way that they try to blend them together, so Chris is on a higher one, but he's not actually singing the um, the melody. He's actually doing the harmonizing, and so it just really sounds... Well, and the problem, that kind of stems out from the Baby It's Cold Outside
1: issue, where Baby It's Cold Outside is, is a gorgeous thing, and it's also this commentary on how they took this traditionally male female cat and mouse game and gave it to two gay boys and they just nailed it. So they're like, let's redo that. We made a ton of money on that. And they tried that with white Christmas. And then you're kind of, you know, baby it's cold outside is a very specific type of song, a type of story within a song. And it's got that flirtatious nature. It's hard to replicate that. When the song itself doesn't lend itself to that as easily, and when you have it, yeah, it, I can see where the issues is with that with White Christmas. Um, um, on the flip side, I do think it's fascinating. Like I look at um American Boy, and I mean, no, these guys are not the greatest rappers ever, but it it it's such <laughs> a, it's so out of their wheelhouse, Goodbye. but it it's so entertaining too, though. I I like it when they're. Allowed to be entertaining with their
4: Performances and I don't know American Boy is an unexpected Delight it is because it (laughs) Shouldn't work it shouldn't work at all But it totally worked Mm -hmm. It did there aren't I can't think of
1: too many of And I I, The only solo that I'm a little eh, about is um, I'll remember uh, Because the song's boring
4: yeah, it's just a you and I've talking about that because that yeah that we did particular that song is boring yeah
1: it and is. then um, the duets I don't know if there's anything that I'm like oh, this doesn't get back that didn't really
3: Rachel neither Rachel or Kurt oh I like that one okay <laughs> um, <laughs> you can. There, there's there's very few songs that I'm like oh I hated that so much so.
1: yeah <laughs> um, I'm just looking through these but yeah there's not well the only other thing like. The stuff with Maggie, um, with uh, June Squibb, she's not a singer. Um, well, she was a
4: million years ago,
1: okay. but I well, mean, she's, she's not now. <laughs> <you know.
4: laughs>
1: I, uh, yeah. And even I'm frustrated with Daydream Believer, which I love that song, but the fact that they tacked on the kids at the end, I'm like, why did you ruin this beautiful song? Um, but for the most
4: part... There is nothing. Yeah, I think it's just all remember that I don't like, and partially it's. I mean, I think that song is personally kind of boring, and also what they they make What? How dare they make him do that? how dare they make him thank those boys? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um,
1: But I can't think. Uh, shout out, though I just want to give a shout out to A really amazing performance in Legis Hat um, <laughs> It is great I actually did say that, by the way When I went through and I <laughs> oh, edited it I'm like, I'm like you I really did, did say that <laughs> <laughs> did. For you some reason been I, drinking. No, I don't know where Legis Hat came from <laughs> <laughs> Anyway um, But yeah, no I, I just He's. I, I also think he's a little underrated as a vocalist, and I. It's unfortunate that. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe his iTunes sales were lower comparatively, but I think that's more because of
4: song selection. I mean. Yeah, his song selection isn't top ten or no. top forty. It's just not.
1: At the same time, I know people were like, and I. I get it, and I'm not saying that it's a wrong thing to feel this way. People always wanted more Kurt singing, but I'm glad that he got. More of this bigger story points than other people that were singing a lot but weren't getting a lot of story. Yeah,
4: yeah. Blaine. <laughs> Blaine. So, so I mean, what's like, your favorite? I'm going to ask, ask you. What's oh, your favorite Kurt idea. solo? Mm,
1: that's a good question.
4: Being alive. <gasps> that's a great one. Oh, my God, it's no, just so. It's so, so, it's so no. good. It's so good, yeah. and it's such a great um, part of his story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not um, the boy at.
3: next door was excellent, and I would have said it was my favorite. And then being alive happened, and I'm like, oh, I was gutted, completely emotionally gutted by it. Yeah, I gotta say, roses
2: turn is my favorite. That was the moment that I went from being a casual viewer to everyone, like a totally. fan. Like that, totally. Like I, when I saw that, I like I I literally jumped off the couch and started clapping and. <laughs> I'm wildly applauding in my living room, like <laughs> I just, that just made me so thrilled. That's when I became like a like a real Kurt Stan
1: oh, Such a good one. Do you want me to go next, or Snarky? Do you want to go next?
4: No, you go next.
1: Me, okay. Um, to be a little different than what you guys are going, that you guys have said, I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with two. Um Am I gonna go with three? <laughs> three. I'm gonna have three, because I, I can't pick one. Not everything, but I'll remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, everything. But um, as if we never said goodbye. I think it's one of the lovely, most yeah. beautiful, and strongly performed. The fact that he was allowed to have five minutes to sing that song in its entirety and bring that much emotion and weight, and the it's the culmination of his story. It's such a such a beautiful performance, and I, I love it. Um He's well I, shot. Well yeah. shot um, It's kind of like an honorable mention shout out um, To I Have Nothing which I think is underrated A little bit it is the only time He sings a passionate love song To Blaine and It's got so much emotion and depth To it um, he's not Perfect vocally on it but that's fine I think That the rawness of his emotion in it I, I, I just really love That one and then um, Blackbird which is just a personal favorite song Of mine in general so Yeah all right, So good
4: you're choices. Oh fuck. I got choose a different one. Um <laughs> well, I told I totally agree that Rose's turn is where I fell in love. Um and I do think he had some amazing stuff in season 2. I think I want to hold your hand and Oh, As yeah. if we never. I mean, and Legge's hat. Let's not <laughs> not to downplay that one.
1: Did you? guys, So just to clarify, did, I don't know if you guys heard <laughs> the previous
4: podcast. No, I
1: have no idea what no, you're what what talking about. Um, for some reason, I don't even know why Legge's hot came up, <laughs> but I slurred it together and said Legge's hot hat. <laughs> hat, and I don't know why. And so Arby and Starkey just start laughing, and I don't know why they're laughing. And then, like, did you just say Ludwig's hat? And I honestly had no recollection of what I said. And then yeah, I went back and listened to it, and that's
4: exactly what I said. So, <laughs> and we were totally nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> the whole
1: rest of the hour, of
4: the budget. whole rest of the hour. Um, um but we left. I you mean, legit- your favorite one. It's fair. So, uh, the <laughs> jazz hot is amazing because it's one of those things. that's like, yeah, no other person in Glee Club could do that. Um,
3: yeah,
4: obviously I have a very special place in my heart for not the boy next door. I think uh, it's a travesty that he was not allowed to be in Niata for that. Um, I I actually really like the sort of trifecta of Rose's turn, some people, and I'm still here. Um mm-hmm. I think that th- I think that those three together make a lot of sense. But he did some stuff in season four that's just amazing. I think being alive and bring him home are both amazing. Um mm-hmm. yeah. Uh I ha- I only listened to the Bring Him Home where Rachel's not on it. Yeah. <laughs> I do that with all of it. But but where I mean, even the you are the sunshine of my life, I think all of those. so if I had to choose it's hard to choose one, I'm tempted to choose being alive because it's such a great moment of like overall. But I think my top three is gonna be Rosa's Turn, not the boring store, and being alive. You know what so really did? my top is everybody but that all remember song remember. that boying store. <laughs> I wanna
1: I do want to give a shout out to Rosa's Turn because I think Rose's Turn does something that I don't hear in any of the other music that Kurt does. Kurt gets Angry like viciously angry oh, In that song so and they don't Let him get emotionally Angry like that ever again Um yeah. and except For maybe not, not That's not the same way he's angry In love is a battlefield but um No just musically He's so raw with his anger That mm-hmm. it's interesting they never
4: Went yeah. with that again That number has so many Amazing things happening and His name in lights and yeah. uh, Do you want it? Let's do a favorite duet too while we're just talking oh, about music. <laughs> okay, let's see no, here.
1: No, wiki, 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 wiki. Oh, I mean, I can name them off if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking. I'm liking. Yeah. Um, I i do not know, Julia, Kelly. Do you guys have a favorite duet?
3: Um, I, I really love "Love the, the Battlefield." Right
1: oh,
3: it's like a great choice. I just I love their voices together. It's just stunning. Oh, Julia, but I what really did you
2: just say I miss. What, I'm sorry. I miss what you said.
3: Love is a battlefield.
2: Oh yeah, that was a good one.
1: Hmm. The the performance on that is really amazing.
3: The mm-hmm.
1: all the things that the they're lighting, not saying,
3: um, the staging, just the emotions on their face during it. It's just so raw. And I really love everything about it I really, and I also have a soft place for um, Somebody Loves You As well Oh, that's From a season one. six That one is also something that I just really It's so joyous and infectious And Yes
2: Oh, I have a top two Were um, you done? I'm done yeah. okay, yes. um, My top two are Baby It's Cold Outside Which is one of the few Christmas songs That I'll listen to in the summer mm-hmm. um, Oh yeah, yeah. And then also um Rachel and Kurt um the Happy Days are here again.
3: Oh that's a good that's one to good... do. Oh. Um.
4: um let me try and pick something someone hasn't picked. Uh, do any of last like, I like all your choices. Yeah, you're going last. <laughs> oh, I'm going last? Okay. All right, I'm going last. <laughs> Starkey has spoken. <laughs> um, <laughs> I decided that you're going last. Um Um, so I really like uh just can't get enough. And Mm -hmm. I believe in a thing called love. Mm -hmm. I, I like those two. I mean I like I like everything else everybody else has mentioned, but I like those two a ridiculous amount.
1: Um I agree with that actually. Um but um I will, again, be different. First of all, Rockstar is one of the, my favorite things ever, and so I good. listen to that all the time, um, just in my personal life. Uh, American Boy, I it just it breaks a smile on my face every time I think oh, about it. I forgot
4: about Popular. I love Popular.
1: And yeah, oh, popular. Uh-huh. popular is so good. For Good is actually really... Really well done it's not the thing that I listen to All the time but I think it's a really Really well done
4: I, I love it when Hummelberry does Wicked Love it So
1: Cool alright so kind of going on beyond Music Let's talk about this is kind of a mm. A bigger topic But it's not something necessarily Like how do I put this We've got one of the biggest Are we talking about that, something boring I don't, what? No I'm just trying to collect my thoughts Um One of the bigger themes that runs through kurt's story Is this idea of family Um and We get a lot of kurt and bert We get a lot of discussion about his mom Even though we don't get her name Um and we get this you know Beyond the sexual identity thing We get the story of this boy Who is struggling to You know relate to his dad But he ends up having a very close Relationship with his dad And how he grows up, you know, as from a kid to an adult and becomes, you know, he starts off, he's the child in a father-child relationship and he's going to grow into eventually being a father himself. And I just think it's a very fascinating story to tell.
2: Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um,
1: Okay, where's your
4: question in there?
1: I didn't say there was a
4: question. I was saying that's the next topic. There was a discussion. This is a great topic. (laughs) My
1: question is my question, Snarky, is how do you feel about that?
4: (laughs) Um (laughs) Can I quote you on that? Yes. (laughs) Dinosaur (laughs) Screech. Um I think I think Kurt is really interesting because he's someone who is um He has an amount of people that he will let in that are very important to him, and he is really ride or die about those people. Mm -hmm. Um, He's someone who needs a certain amount of time for himself, but also doesn't necessarily want to be alone. Um, And once, once you are in his circle, he doesn't kick people out. Um, I think it's the sort of unconditional love learned from Bert where once he, once you are someone that he cares about, he's going to continue to care about you and be empathetic to your struggles and forgiving of certain things. I mean, he'll take his space as needed and he'll get frustrated as needed. But, um, you know, if you were his good friend, you were going to continue to be, his good friend I? Because he is dedicated.
1: Can I give an extreme oh. example of this that I think people may not understand, but I think illustrates that point very well? Yes. Uh, Krawczyk. Um, I
4: was just thinking that actually. Yeah. He I was not he, thinking that. You guys are amazing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like. Rachel.
1: Well, that too. <laughs> I mean, Rachel, Rachel. But I, I meant more as more of an extreme. It's this yeah. idea that, yeah, Krawczyk was horrible to him, but he, they crossed the threshold where. Blaine, no, she's Blaine Kurt can empathize where, you know, Karofsky's coming from And once he makes the decision to be open to that And befriend him and try and, uh, you know, help him through his struggles Kurt never turns away from that path Even when he's dating Blaine, Karofsky is not, like, an enemy to him He's just, yeah
4: Because uh, he could have, in season six, he could have come for Karofsky hard But he didn't mm-hmm. Because, I mean, things like Once he decides that he doesn't like you, well, you're going to get that same biting. That season one Kurt didn't go anywhere. He just learned to love a little bit more. He got less alone, and he had Mercedes teaching him how to be nice and decent.
1: But yeah, he had Mercedes, his dad, and his—I'm sure his mother—teach him how to be nice. Like there are a lot of, unlike Rachel, who I don't think has the same kind of like positive influences. Even though her dads are delightful. Uh, Kurt's her dads had, are
4: delightful. They sure seem busy and not interest, not dealing yeah. with her on an emotional level.
2: Yeah, considering they never told her that they split up.
4: Yeah, right. Or
2: that she had any
1: idea that they were on the verge of splitting up. Either, I mean, that doesn't usually come out of nowhere.
4: Well, she's been out of the house for a couple years, anyway. Um, right, but going I, back to I think that with- the most the most influential person in Kurt's life is Bert. Obviously, oh,
2: oh, yeah, 17.
4: Um, And he is also the most important person, like over. Kurt will choose Bird over every other person. Period. Even Blaine, and Blaine is a close second. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, and but, I, think, I actually think Bird and Kurt are a lot alike. Probably more alike than they think they are. Um, oh, not yeah. their looks, but in their. I mean, I think even their even their looks. They're. Um, there's, there was a there was a picture a few years ago going around Tumblr. It was a Mike O'Malley in his late 20s. It, it looks a lot like Chris, like different mm-hmm. style, but different. But the, the features on his face look a lot like Chris. I can I'm i going
4: to Google this right now.
2: Oh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a great does. picture. Yeah, I, I know I have the post somewhere in my archive. I'll try to find it later if you can't. Um, Their personalities, like they're both very loyal, family's very important, You know, they both love unconditionally and they both kind of have like that sarcastic kind of sense of humor that like sarcastic back and forth that they do The really nice thing about the show that so many shows don't do and so many shows
1: even family shows get wrong Is that you watch these shows and you're like, how did these kids come from these parents? Even aside from the like they don't look at all like I get it Sometimes you're just gonna, you know hire these actors because they're the best actors but you know like you look at your own everybody looks at their own family and you will see traits of you know Your your parents your grandparents, etc. Cetera, et cetera. That's a thing that happens So the fact that we can see this like we look at bert we look at kurt There are similarities. I mean i'm guessing bert actually had some intimacy issues in that Struggling to tell I mean, he has to start hard time telling his son straight up, you know, I love you He he does he means it and you know, but mm-hmm. it's it's a hard thing and I think you know Kurt also kind of struggles from the same type of thing and yeah you can definitely make those parallels there they're two different people yes but they're definitely related and they definitely share um some of the ways that they look at the world
4: but you know if the Hummels had one of those like you know live laugh wine kind of posters in their house it would say something like work hard play fair be good you know do no harm but take no shit like that's the yeah. kind of that's the kind <laughs> mm-hmm. of uh, mantra that their family crest would have.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really would have liked more Bert in season 6. Yeah. Seeing oh, you know I would him like a little Kurt. bit of Bert in season 6. Yes. Yeah, y- you don't see him at all until the very end and I just I really there's some emotional um processing that could have happened only with bert that would have been great to see with kurt's story Mm -hmm.
4: i would have liked to have seen uh, a dramatic moment Uh, i understand they needed rachel to be important i would have liked to seen a dramatic moment in 602 and i would have liked to have seen a funny moment sometime after walter shows up (laughs) oh (laughs) god I understand
1: why they didn't go there. That is a fanficy <laughs> thing to explore, but I can only imagine Bert's
4: reaction to you oh. like you're your dating who, and it just <laughs> look as someone who you know in the the between seasons two and three, uh, summer, fic wonderfulness. I I read a lot of uh forty year old Blaine, twenty year old Kurt fix, and the Bert in that was always. Amazing, <laughs>
1: <laughs> as he always is. Just
4: a confused
1: yeah. look. Michael yeah. Malley plays
4: confused very well. Um, yeah, he's funny. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I I do think that uh, you know we have um, you know the Bert and Carol are the most interesting parents that show up. Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Carol mm-hmm. gets a lot of disservice, and I don't like that. Right. Um. So I agree, actually. for that reason, Bert is is kind of my favorite, but that's only because Carol just—they—they they dropped her later. They—they are very close. They're a close second, and I love the fact that they're together. They are possibly my second favorite ship. Um, but I do think it's interesting to see. You know, sometimes fandom likes to say, like, "Well, here's an example of why Kurt and Mercedes aren't friends anymore," and it's like, no, there are no examples of that. I mean, mm-hmm. the this, this no. show focuses on him and Rachel, and the show focuses on him and other people because of the people that he's interacting with at that time. Um, but they even have, you know, long after people think, oh, grilled cheese has happened and they can't be friends anymore, there's like a sleepover with the three of them.
0: Oh, you know, yeah. So
4: clearly I, she's yeah. around, and I, I think that you see him as someone who he struggles sometimes he's an only child. And so he struggles with dealing with other people, like physically in his space and having to deal with his own needs and then someone else's needs. And I think the process of Blaine, first of all, the process of Rachel (laughs) as a sibling, because I think that's sort of where their relationship ends up. They're beyond just friends. They're basically siblings. Then we have the process of Blaine as someone who is a partner who wants the physical space, who wants the emotional space, who he has to figure out boundaries with. I think by the time he gets to parenthood, he's emotionally ready to be able to deal with someone who does not give a shit about your boundaries and wants what they want. Yeah. And you have to show up and be loving and be good and make some mistakes and do your best. And it gives him an opportunity to practice this skill Differently than anything else and I think that He's going to be a really interesting Genuine parent and possibly just as fun as Blaine. Yes Yes. Blank space
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry Um, No, I agree and like I think on top of that what people forget is that this is a show with like 800 characters Like right. you're not going to get Every single dynamic all the time yeah. um, Like look at even Kurt and, and Finn They were barely referenced After uh, Furt as being brothers, but they do bring it back in every once in a while. Yeah, and this yeah. is the same with Mercedes. I mean, yeah, we're not gonna focus on this. We've got Blaine, we've got Rachel, we got a service, we got his dad, so we got a service.
4: Something's gonna get pushed to the background. Yeah. And, and Rachel doesn't even have any friends. I mean, like they can't she really doesn't. They can't they can't manage any kind of emotional story with her. <laughs>
1: No, and unfortunately, they wanted to focus on. They started wanting to focus on Kurt being the B character in the Rachel story, instead of Rachel. Uh, instead of Kurt having in his own individual story, where Mercedes is a B person. Um, yeah. So it's because there's all of these other characters. The the show can't take you know all of it. It just that's one one of the weaknesses of the show is that there's so many characters that they can't give everybody. The stories and the amount of screen time
4: that they rightfully deserve I mean I think the two hardest things for him to learn are like how to share but mm-hmm. also how to identify what he needs from other people and how to express that in a way that's kind um, and I think uh, learning to share he learns from Rachel and expressing his own needs and how to be kind he practices and learns that with Blaine yeah and I know a lot of people are like, "Oh my God, they're having this baby, and they're super young." But in that time jump, they've been married five years. Yeah. And after being married for five years, I don't think that's too young. No, I don't yeah. think. It's I long. mean, unless yeah. you're unless you're busy with your life in such a fashion where you're like, "Fuck, I just don't have time for it."
2: I think for their um, generation, I think I said this in the other one that their gen- for their generation, the younger, their most of their peers are delaying having. They're younger until their thirties.
4: I mean, my only question is, how do they afford it? <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about that because they,
1: it's, for some reason, all these kids have magical amount of money that is ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and I also really like, and I think it's just because it's something I personally relate to. This idea of being able to penetrate the shell. I mean, think about Kurt and Blaine broke up twice, and neither time was Kurt explicitly mean. Or harmful to Blaine during those Breakup periods he could have been But he wasn't and it's It's I, I like the idea That Kurt is one of These people that once he's collected you you're There for life
4: That's true <laughs> <laughs> So Yeah which is I think that's why The Hummel Hudson House for Wayward Boys is something that happened <laughs> because every, Everybody lived there Because uh, they mm-hmm. just you know They can't say no Yeah So,
1: okay, so I'm kind of, because I think we kind of touched upon the other points that I had in my list, so I'm going to go to the next section, which is Kurt and how, and we kind of touched upon this, but let's, I guess, get into it a little more. Kurt and growing from, you know, a child to an adult, growing from this character who was, you know, a very lonely child um had to deal with his mother's death kind of on his own having to deal with a little bit as a stranger with his dad how, being different um a lot of it's the it's get it it's gets back i can't even say it right anymore it gets, anymore. It's it gets been better, better. <laughs> it, it has been better uh storyline where you know I, I just feel like this is something because maybe i went through it too and maybe it's another personal identification thing but you are, can be a weird kid and a strange kid, but you grow up, you kind of find your people, you kind of find your identity, you find your way, and it isn't, doesn't have to be the traditional, like, it doesn't have to be in a traditional way, but you can find your own happiness after being in this darkened place growing up as a child.
4: Yeah, so Kurt found a lot of traditional happiness because, well, that's what they allowed.
1: But, yeah., <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of it's stuff that we've been talking about already, so I don't know if we need to get
3: I think I think so too. you know, it his his whole identity of who he is grows and matures um, through this series. but I still don't feel like he's that much different. Um, At the end of season six than he was at the beginning He still has the same traits and his same weaknesses and strengths and um, They're just allowed to mature more Well, I would argue a little bit like his
1: personality Is pretty much the same. He doesn't have any kind of like I don't know like Things that alter who he is At a foundation level, but I do think that he grows from being You know In this dark place To climbing out of that And finding a success Um, And You're right Being a dramatic You know Being so full of drama In your childhood Or in your teen years To growing out of that And being You know A reasonably level-headed adult
4: Um, Yeah I think he's Comfortable He's 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 okay with himself He's okay with his place Mm -hmm. In the world In a way that he was not in any way. uh, When it started. You know obviously we have the victorious. Clean clasped hands. uh, In the season finale. (laughs) Hands in the air. All that kind of stuff. But there's lots of stuff where you see him. um, Even just in season five. Where he's doing all right. I mean life's complicated. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. But he's really managed to. Thrive in all of his. Thrive within the person that he is um, and he's figured out that th- I, I like the fact that they you know he didn't he didn't fundamentally change over time he didn't become a different person what he became is a, is just a natural evolution and it was played really well I mean the fact of the matter is like whatever dumb joke Kurt's gonna tell in season one he's gonna tell the same dumb joke in season six because that's his dumb that's his dorky Sense of humor, yeah. Right? Won't, however, and his probably. his insult might be similar, but so like there's some core things about just like his sort of quirky personality that doesn't go anywhere, and that's lovable. And then there's just sort of like a natural maturing of where he feels um, he needs to push back on the world or not, and how did, he needs to stand strong.
1: I think he he finds a confidence too in that, like you know, I, I mean. Like at the very beginning he's like oh, that's so gay Like you know
4: self Deprecary
1: but yeah. um, I, I think he grows into Okay well I can take my shirt off and I Enjoy other men looking at me Like that I
4: think it's an interesting Good idea that was a strong idea We should do that <laughs> Agree
3: <laughs> Best one he ever had
4: <laughs> But that's oh, the where man. he talks about His inside self catching up mm-hmm. with his outside Self wait I just did that backwards <laughs> 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 anyway um, Yes his, Where he he's reached his potential I'll put it that way Yep exactly um,
1: and I think again It kind of ties again back up to the original Conversation we were having about Here is a TV Show where y- You know you see this gay kid Get to have what A, a traditional like coming of age Story Mm -hmm. Yeah, That isn't even well done And like again you go back to Dawson's Creek and those boys were just Oh god whatever Uh, I mean it's not like they had a great story there Kurt at least has a fantastic story to go Along with everything
4: so He does have a Fantastic story he gets everything Yay (laughs) Okay so Um
1: let's talk About Kurt and Romance a little bit I know we did Like an entire podcast so we don't have to like Retread everything
4: um no, let's talk about every romantic moment. Oh my god. <laughs> we would be Sorry. here all day. We would. Um,
1: but I would like to like I like I think it's funny that the show goes out of its way to say things like Kurt can't be a romantic lead in a rom-com. And yet, like when you look outward, he is.
4: He is. <laughs> yeah, it's we just watched <laughs> it. Yeah, <I> <laughs> And I just think that's funny I, th- I think I, I think what's weird is that the show The show really Pushed this idea That um, Women aren't interested in Kurt And yeah. that Is not based in reality No <laughs> but I mean it's awesome Look I understand it. that women were interested in Blaine Got it And so well, they played that up but the, but the show pushed this narrative That women weren't interested in Kurt And that was a story that they told But Um, You know, I I wish that they would have had A bit at Niada Where they addressed that Just to kind of wrap it back up Because he proves that he can Play the lead He proves that he can win Midnight Madness He proves all these other things So I would have been fine With that also being disproved
1: I think it's also Super interesting That This show starts And I don't like putting heterosexual narratives on a homosexual couple, but they kind of framing it as Kurt's like the girly one and Blaine's more of this masculine hero type. And by the end of it, that idea is kind of flipped in that, you know, Kurt's the hero of the story and Blaine is his love interest and whatever trappings and framing go along with that continue to the very end. Um,
4: So I don't know. Well, I think it continues that way Also partially because Blaine doesn't really Get a story I mean, he gets a story, but How can I say this In a way that won't make someone mad I'll just say it <laughs> Just say it. Blaine is, a secondary, Blaine is a secondary Character, and he doesn't get A lot of fleshing out for that reason He gets a lot of other stuff He gets a lot of places where We love him, but um, We don't Get his backstory. His backstory is not addressed in a serious way. I mean, what backstory do you get? They then later, like, they burn down Dalton and, like, they just have him look kind of upset about it. That's it. That's it. Like, (laughs) that seems pretty important, you know? And by that time, he's a pretty big, important character. But I think that he is a big, important character partially because of his tie to Kurt. Um, Yeah. And I like him. And I would like to have more of his story, but he will forever be, um, you know, not just... I mean, he's not the same as, like, Mercedes, who was a background character and then grew into a more popular character. Because he was introduced as a really important thing within this one universe. And he was able to grow and he was able to do other stuff, but he remains... Tied to Kurt's story In a very significant way And I don't know if the show ever really Fully was able to tell Just Plane's story
1: It tried in season
4: 4 I mean, let's, we yeah. I'm not going to discount that But um, <clears throat> I don't think they did a very good job yeah. hmm. I, don't think they, I don't think they did a good job with it Because also they abandoned it Yeah, I was going to say like, it, it kind of they I, told I the story of well now Blaine's alone. What's he gonna do? And then that was that. Like, they didn't really like. I don't know. We got some good stuff in New York. I don't, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that Blaine didn't get anything. No. <laughs> I just think that um, he's he's a part of a story. He's not an individual arc of a story. The individual arcs of the story in Glee are Rachel, Will, Finn, Kurt. It's kind of amazing Kurt got in there.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I have a question That we probably talked about before But I'm going to ask it again I'm going to pull back And kind of looking at this As an outsider's perspective Does Kurt and Blaine's relationship Does it actually work? Do they actually, are they actually good for each other? Are they complementary to each other? Does this relationship And I don't mean work as in it's perfect And like they, you know, whatever I mean, does it make sense as a, as a Good story that has a happy ending
3: I mean there's certainly Perspectives Of fans Who felt that it didn't And so they became Other shippers or left The fandom entirely Um, Obviously as somebody who Stuck around I disagree With that And I think their relationship does work I mean I think it shows something Where They're the one high school couple that I see them moving from young innocent love to a more nuanced and a more adult relationship. Mm -hmm. I agree.
4: I feel like they had a foundation that uh, an adult relationship could be built on.
2: Yes, I mean, and they want the same things, and they were they were willing to work towards. You know, even though they had they stumbled along the way, they had you know their own. Same issues that every person has growing up. You know, they were able, so they they did eventually work through that together, and they were willing to work it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were. We see that they were both willing to go to therapy separately or together. So they were both. So you know, they were. Com- they had. They were committed. They and they wanted the same thing. I think that's was, yeah. was
4: important. I mean, I think. I mean, we've talked before about how Finchel doesn't work. It mm. won't work. That's that's a not working thing. Um. They're not complimentary. You know, I actually think that Britanna works when you think about, well, what do they want out of a relationship? Who are mm-hmm. they to each other? They were friends first, great mm-hmm. friends who deeply love and respect and want the other person around. So I do think that relationship works. Yeah, I think agree. that Kurt and Blaine work. Agree. I think Kurt and Blaine work because not only does the other person like, it's, it's the yin and the yang thing. Like, there are things that Blaine wants and needs and likes, and Kurt is that person. And there are things that Kurt wants and needs and likes, and Blaine is that person. And, you know, you said earlier that Kurt is sort of a mirror of Bert, and it makes me wonder, um, based off of the very little that we know, if Blaine is not meant to be a mirror of his mom, if Blaine isn't that loving, caring, you know, kind of warm... You know, whereas we we meet Bert in the beginning of the series and he's withdrawn. You know, he doesn't know how to show warmth, and then he learns it. But we do know that Kurt had a warm relationship with his mother. Well, so that's sort of what Blaine brings to it. You know, they have similar goals, they have similar lifestyles, they have similar things that they want, and they have this genuine adoration of each other, this support where even when even when they can't seem to make things work perfectly, they still want to be each other's best friend. And mm-hmm. I think all of those things are foundational for a relationship that works, that maybe has some drama in it. But you know what? That's how relationships are. Um, especially, when <laughs> especially when you're in high school. Especially when you're in high school. And, you know, you see them. Uh, In Dreams Come True sort of reflecting on their life and you see Blaine reflecting with Sam on his marriage and how How settled he feels in ways where, you know, you had seen Blaine in seasons four and five and I guess part of six Basically that if that he He was restless for something and the Blaine you see in Dreams Come True is Is content you know, not not perfect, some n- of those kinds of dumb things, but also just, you know, he has been fulfilled in the 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 basics that he requires. He's gotten that fulfillment from his marriage with Kurt to be able to be okay. Mm-hmm. I really like. I I think it's an
1: interesting thing to think about That mirror between Bert and Kurt and Blaine and possibly Kurt's mom, and that I I think of those wedding vows and how Kurt says, "You know, you ripped away everything that was blocking the sun." And I can kind of see just the way Bert talks about Kurt's mom is kind of the same thing. I mean, I I don't think Bert doesn't seem like I mean, I'm
4: not not trying to say Kurt wants to marry his mom. I'm just no, it's not getting weird. And, I and don't, I'm not, not trying I to be Freudian it about it. I'm not trying to be Freudian about it. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I can see, like, the balance of a healthy relationship where it's your best friend and your partner, and you tease them sometimes, and you make out sometimes, and life is basically good. You know, you have you have the kind of home together that you want to have. I mean, you look at the beginning of New New York when Blaine wakes him up and has breakfast or whatever, but he's also separated out the paper and done these things because— He knows Kurt so well, and those are the kinds of things that you never see Finchel do, right? Yeah, (laughs) you never. But I wasn't trying to be literal with it either. I was. No, I'm just, I'm (laughs) just saying, like, you know, there, there are some things where I find them to be incredibly complimentary and willing to deal with their own bullshit by the, by the time they are real adults, twenty one, you know, they, they've got things sorted out yeah I mean, I th- I think enough it anyway,
1: was you, maybe it was somebody else. I'm sorry if I'm miscrediting, where, you know, they were always the old married couple, but it's, you know, the the, the young teenagers trying to figure out that it's okay to be the you know, old married couple.
4: Um, mm-hmm. Something that that I wish Kurt and Blaine had sang in season three before dance with somebody before some of this other stuff. I always wanted them to sing. Beach Boys, wouldn't it be nice? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, they would sound great on it, and it totally fits their story Mm -hmm. because they're sort of ready to move on. And I like the fact that we got season four and they moved on, and they oops didn't handle that very well because things are complicated. But they've they've never they've only ever wanted to be that old married couple too. Like they Mm -hmm. want. They are, as I tag it sometimes, the domestic horn dogs. Like, they want to have <laughs> this cute little life together. Like, for them, an apartment in the city with like some flowers on a crappy table and a couch that they can snuggle on, and you know, they can go out into the world and do what they need to do and come home to just each other. Like, that is heaven for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think,
1: and again, it's Probably a subject we talked many times throughout the show. No, we've never talked about. Us. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know what I'm going to say yet.
4: <laughs> no, I'm sure it's um, never been. I yes, I said that other thing. No, we've never talked about it. You know um, that
1: uh, a lot of times, the, I think the, the people that seem to have the most criticism of Klain didn't like that there was conflict within the narrative. That they didn't like that. You know, oh no, somebody screws up Oh, they're not good enough for my Favorite anymore, and and it's Just frustrating When yeah. it's like, okay, you're just There for the character, not
2: there for an, The actual story of the well, relationship I, I agree with that too. Oh, sorry, what? Like, I'm guessing that these are very young people, too That don't, like, not, not that I mean, I'm not sorry to say that, like, there's nothing There's nothing wrong with being young, but If you don't have a lot of life experience, I mean you might not realize how complicated re- Relationships can be
4: mm-hmm. That's true I'm I mean I also sure. think yeah. it, it. I guess it's not dissimilar from what you were Just saying but I think some people who um, Were dissatisfied with the Neighbor with the narrative Were also um, Very huge fans of Blaine Who felt that he was underserved These people are correct he was underserved That doesn't necessarily mean That Kurt isn't what Blaine wants Kurt is what Blaine wants Kurt is literally exactly what he could ever possibly want um he has to adjust a little bit he has to learn a little bit he has to improve to be the fully functional version of what blaine wants but i think that for like from the kurt perspective i don't see an issue with like you know we saw the the relationship get worked on over the years and I don't see a fundamental problem with Blaine. I think that if I were maybe looking at it from Blaine's perspective, I may be able to find some fundamental problems with Kurt. Um but I love Kurt. So mm-hmm, I think I would. Yeah. Well, and before I get to
1: the subject you guys always groan about when I bring up, um I want to mention, you know, is just kind of a, just a fun what if is Kurt good at romance I do like that We got to see him I wish there would, would Have been more of it to contrast with Blaine um with a couple of other Like people on the show but It would be an interesting thing like How does Kurt deal with romance If Blaine is not involved At all like what would he be like in Other relationships taking out the Blaine Aspect of Blaine never existed Oh
4: okay, I I never well. existed that's Too hard yeah I was going to say we have an example because we have Adam trying to make this special date happen. But you're right, Blaine exists. I mean, the fact of the matter Blaine exists, and Kurt <laughs> will trample everyone. He will cheat <laughs> on anyone. He, he will, will trample them. He <laughs> will like. I get that. Like Blaine gets Blaine gets uh, labeled the cheater, but Kurt will drop you in a hot second. For Blaine He doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. what he's he really does doing Okay so there was like or that one work Yeah one work party One time where he was maybe at work And so maybe it mattered and maybe they had already Talked like 15 times or whatever But like overall Like this is Like this is the ride or die aspect like He just wants Blaine that's all he wants He doesn't <laughs> need anything else He needs it the right way but like Yeah I mean I, I all the times when he was dating someone else, there was always an instance where he cheats on them with Blaine. Yeah, there isn't. <laughs> there isn't one where he's not.
2: Well, um, I'd um, be just playing devil's advocate. If well, I don't know if that's the right term here, but if he didn't, if Blaine the us say Blaine didn't exist, I know that's a terrible idea, but if he didn't, like, I don't. I think Kurt would go through the same. He would do probably maybe the same a, a similar journey with. A different guy Um, he was first, He's like, probably going to be drawn To somebody Blaine-esque anyway
3: So yes. like Is Walter Blaine-esque? Well he's old
1: <laughs> Yeah but he's <laughs> charming I, Like Walter is a charming no,
4: guy I, I he's No but that, that was my I question meant, I meant to say Blaine's old Oh you're right yeah. <laughs> He's grandpa
1: well, and I know. I mean, I, just to throw out because I know, I think both you and both Julia and Kelly—we've had this conversation before—that it's okay for Kurt to have other experiences and to have yes. like there's so much of of what you guys have called the pearl clutching that it's okay <laughs> for Kurt to have these other sexual experiences
4: and oh, these oh other. Yes. I yeah. wanted him to be super slutty at Niotta once <laughs> they up. That didn't happen for me. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted him and Santana to just be painting the town
3: bringing people home, driving Rachel crazy. (laughs) I would have loved that. Um, But going back to your question about is Kurt good at romance? I mean, I think we see evidence in season six with him doing the speed dating and trying to do a little casual dating and seeing um, going out with Walter. They're very um, traditional dates. So at a coffee shop at a restaurant, you know, it's very much a get-to-know-you kind of um, settings that he's going for there, um, which really kind of sets to me again that he is that romantic type of guy who really does want to build something from a foundation before you move into a a full romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right.
4: And the reason that Blaine works so well for Kurt is that he's I mean obviously he's written also for him, But he's the embodiment Of the kind of romance, of romance Kurt wants and Kurt oh,
0: yeah.
4: Kurt reciprocates I mean I'm never saying goodbye to you Is romantic and he Maintains that Well right. let's even look at I have
1: nothing and I know a lot of people Got up in arms about the line where I'm never going to change my colors for you
4: But I'm like you shouldn't like. But that's this, true that's like, who yeah, he is And that. Yeah. Blaine doesn't want someone. Blaine doesn't want right. to date somebody who's kind of a pushover. He wants to date a badass, yeah, which but, is adorable. And
3: I also <laughs> think that there are there are moments in their relationship that really do show that Kurt continues to carry that romantic. Side, you know, all of the things that he does to support Blaine, um, particularly mm-hmm. with June, of you know, helping him get ready, you know, um, just all of that really kind of speaks to me of how these little romantic things are the way that um, Kurt um, speaks his love language, which is yeah. why sometimes I think that he gets a little bit frustrated when it's not um, necessarily seen by Blaine that that is you know, that's what he's trying to do.
1: Well, and I think it's also missed sometimes, not necessarily by us, uh, but by, you know, like you look at season four, Blaine says, you know, I want you to pay attention to me. I need you to check in with me, et cetera, et cetera. Season five, what's he doing? Hey, are you Oh my okay? God, all the time. Hey, all, like, Jesus Christ. Know, <laughs> like, he's checking in. And yeah, they have yeah. other issues. And yeah, Kurt's going to screw himself up, but it's like, It's not like there isn't any growth. There is definitely some growth there. There's definitely, you know, yeah, they're still going to end up going to therapy themselves, work on themselves. But, like, I just, I get frustrated with the amount of, well, Kurt's not very good to blame back. Or, Kurt didn't say explicitly, I'm sorry, this, like, five times. It's like, okay, I get it. Like, yeah, it would have been nice to have a a scene of, you know, certain things. But... I can't just you know credit everything else that was around there that did go into it.
4: So I mean, if right. you think of the season four breakup and the fact that Kurt didn't answer that phone that time, right? And that was like you know it, a symbol of his his fuck up, right? And then you see uh, when they are reconciled, and even before they're reconciled, even when he's dating other people and whatever, but especially season five when Blaine is still at McKinley, Kurt is calling all like there's a ton of communication from New York to Lima, like implying that they're communicating with each other and Kurt's the impetus for the communication. Like he's checking in, he wants to do this thing. Um and then we have the giant love language message at the in the end of season five, which is when he sets up that office. Yeah. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. he sets up that office and has his arms wide open, and that is huge. And you can tell it's huge for Blaine. He's going to cry because he sees the desk and the binders and everything. <laughs> and it's just wonderful. But I think, yeah, it's, it's,
1: Kurt expresses love in a different way than Blaine. And it's a little bit more inward and it's not as explicitly loud. Like Blaine is very, like, I'm going to shout it from the rooftops that I love you. And Kurt's going to be more inward and like, let me take you back to the room and show you how I love you. It's just oh. they're different people. <laughs> well, also so. think
4: about how they work in the world. Kurt sometimes gets attention and that attention is a little bit negative and it takes a long time to unlearn that. Even the happy, happy space of New York, which isn't always safe because we've got mm-hmm. Bash. And Blaine is someone who, when he gets attention, God, everybody loves him. Isn't he cute? Yeah.
2: Really
4: <laughs> you know, so it works different. You know, you learn different things. You play to your strengths. They both need different things. And in the love, love, love episode, Kurt has his own marching band. They both have the marching band. Mm -hmm. There's a picnic happening. They've both got the marching band. Like they are equals. These are two equals meeting each other. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's at the picnic (laughs) with a picnic and a band. They're such. He doesn't have that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, Uh, so I will go ahead and go one last time It'll probably be the last time I bring it up
3: on the podcast probably Mm. But
1: I'm going to because it's my favorite subject Um, The fact that this story starts off as this big gay fairy tale with the, you know Season two happy ending of, you know, I love you, I love you too You know, happily ever after And it grows into this real story about these Fleshed out characters who get into an adult Relationship and I that's probably one of my favorite Aspects of you know Kurt's story Of the Klein story of just like The growth and development and moving Beyond what is happily ever after into Um
4: something That becomes a little bit more realistic Mm -hmm. Yeah Mm -hmm. It's pretty it's pretty Well done I mean I can't believe Glee pulled It off (laughs) Seriously So,
1: obviously, this entire podcast is my thesis. So I'm gonna have to defend it on <laughs> Thursday.
4: No, uh, <laughs> So we can to it you? It's been it's been a masterwork. It's, so. it's not perfect. There's a few slip ups here and there, but I think just as a well. Story, there was the jizz hat that happened. Was the jizz hat. There's. <laughs> I'm sorry, ledge's hat. Ledge's hat. Um,
1: <laughs> but I I just. It's a story that I, the reason I've been doing this for so long, it's a, it's a kind of story that I come back to and I just enjoy, and I just, like, looking at Kurt's growth and development and how he changed over throughout the years and how this, you know, particular romance story grew
4: and blossomed and what it became, I, It is has fascinated me so much that this is why I've been doing this for so long, so. And I think, you know, the way that, that Glee is imperfect, um has so we have this great story that has a lot of things at work and a few little things you can play with you know within canon and a lot of things you can play with outside of canon a lot of un- unseen things the way that glee lacked certain things in terms of being a tight narrative of a show is a gift for a fandom that then gets to have this thing that's very well fleshed out places where it's easy for readers and writers to slot into it and then explore beyond that all of the what ifs, all of the maybes, all of the themes. Um, So, you know, you know, here we are having a conversation about, well, does it work? Doesn't it work? And that's because, you know, Glee has gray areas that allows other people to play with it. And I think, you know, obviously there's the the fact that it got hugely popular there's the fact that it had um, canon characters who were not straight it had lots of canon stuff where people within fandom could identify and write about it you know the claim narrative has the you know in every lifetime we meet each other over and over again which is like every au ever all of those things mean that it's just a it's a ripe place for fandom to really enrich all of that kind of stuff and have a lot of fun, even in the things that are painful. Uh, The Klein story can be told so many different ways and so many different themes and so many different tropes that it's just, um, it's just really rich. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree that it is this fairy tale and then the fairy tale ended. And then we got to explore this other kind of romance and, uh, I don't know how they did such a good job <laughs> when you look at some of the stuff that they didn't do as well. It's
1: kind of uh, a means. And even when we look at the scripts and the fact that yeah. it's so reliant on the performers and the actors and it the is. directors.
4: And-, and we have great actors
1: in the and, I mean shout out to the yeah. crew too, though because I think they put I mean if you look at the costumers and the
4: work that they were doing. Oh um, yes. Oh the yeah. costumes and the set, set design. I mean I lighting. you know just like you have the thing you're like my thesis is the gay fairy tale you know my thesis is the Kurt is the only person that has a full universe and mm-hmm. you know perhaps this is my last chance to say it but because of that his whole world that got built allowed us to play in a world that was so much more interesting. You know, the one thing I regret is that we don't have, we don't really have Blaine's parents. We don't have Blaine's mom. She doesn't count. Sorry. There's not enough information there. Um, (laughs) But I, if, if we had gotten just a little bit more with Blaine's parents, I would have felt like, wow, they really, they really covered it. Mm
1: Um, kind of bridging that, we. My next subject was the curtain, the fourth wall, which I'm. This is my kind of catch-all because there's a lot of fun things. But before I get into what I have, Snarky, was there anything about that clothing meta that you wanted to talk about? Because I know that's the one thing I don't have on my list. Oh. And I I know that you enjoy bringing that kind of stuff <sighs> oh, gosh. up. You
4: mean are you not me? Okay. Um. So, I'll be brief. Because I think that we see um, the evolution the evolution of Kurt, we see the evolution of his fashion, and we see, you know, we were talking about him as like a teenager who feels the need to express certain things versus how he grows. And I don't think he moves away from being that core person. He just doesn't need to wear bondage gear to Nyata. <laughs> One could argue that perchance he's worked on that in other scenarios, and so he doesn't what make it. What,
3: what
1: are
4: um, you trying
3: to say there? I think <laughs> Blaine sure. has
4: a kinky side, but that's just me. <laughs> I think, well. That's another (laughs) podcast Um, (laughs) I don't know Speak now or for never I I love the evolution of his style Um, He's always very tailored He's always very Interesting, he always has a ton of Accessories, I like that they have him be The Hummel Bragg accessory maker at the end because the accessories are the like the through line. I mean, it tells so much of his story with what the costume is going to even in five and six, when he's going to the more traditional sweaters and
1: such, he still has those little pieces. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And, and you know, the way, I mean, even his sweaters are different than everybody else's sweaters, like, even just in his sweaters and in his. Pants. I mean, not just that they're tight pants, but, like, you know, there aren't a lot of other characters who are wearing, like, pants covered in flowers. Uh, no. And that no. usually means something. But I think it's really interesting to see him, you know, sort of uh, stereotypical in some ways of, like, fashion, like, out there kind of fashion. Not that he's less interested in out there kind of fashion. I mean, you could, you could argue that his fashion becomes exceptionally tailored and pointed or poignant. Um, once he starts working at Vogue, he's not just dressing, you know, like Lady Lady Gaga, put on a circus train and walk around. <laughs> he's he's dressing in a way that is interesting and meaningful and layered. And it's a it's a maturity that happens. I think there's almost like an unspoken, well, it's certainly unwritten, but like an unspoken maturity of him being at Vogue, where you know he's he's wearing a dress shirt and pants, but obviously it has a Fox on it and he has a tail and, you know, other things like that. But, um, you know, back in high school, he was, he was experimenting with more things and then he moves forward to where he's at. I mean, the pants just get tighter. The shirts get very tight. The shirts start to become unbuttoned. I mean, as he gets older and more sexually advanced and more sexually mature, um, he'll sometimes wear, a neckerchief with like the first two buttons unbuttoned. Not sure what's going on there exactly. He just feels the need to like. Maybe, maybe. he has hot flashes.
3: Uh, well, I think maybe it's a, it's a special thing.
4: gap yeah, between. I like oh, there's some special thing. I mean, you can read you can read so much into plain sex meta based off of what they are wearing.
1: Oh my god! Now I want you to write that up because
4: that's super fascinating. I mean, I will. It'll, it takes time. I'm trying to rank season five song episodes. It takes forever. They do, it's don't typing. they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to people who can do rankings because it takes a long time. There's it took me like
3: ratings. a year to do mine.
4: It takes um, a long time to do it well. well I'll put it that way. Um, so I, I think that there is there is an entire meta of what Kurt expresses because sometimes he doesn't have any lines, but he always expresses where he's at with his clothes. And sometimes it's a hymn against the world. Sometimes it's an expression of what he's doing on a personal level. Um, And sometimes it's, you know, what he's trying to express about like a statement about um, who he is in a greater way. But I think that they continue to make his clothes interesting. There's never a time where Kurt wears an outfit that doesn't really mean anything or do anything. And I don't mean just, like, for me and Blaine. I mean, like, do like, it's, <laughs> always, it's always doing something. I mean, um, what is your thoughts on his underwear choice?
1: I mean, come on, Snarky.
4: Well, we have was canon information. <laughs> <laughs> it's varied. Pretty sure I have to post about this somewhere. Maybe it's been flagged. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> However, if you want to write that up or, or let us know what you oh, think of his underwear. Oh, I will.
4: Sure, I'll tag you.
1: Okay, that'd be great. (laughs) But anyway, I know that wasn't on the list. I just wanted to give you a moment to express things. Express things.
4: Express things. Um but yeah, deep love. Well, and it's true
1: that like I look at it and I'm like, oh wow, red and blue that matches. That's
4: like about as far as I go. I mean, I think I think they try and say things with other characters' clothes as well He's just I'm sure um, they do the easiest, oh, so- the easiest one for me to read I mean, well, you can read a lot mm-hmm. of stuff with Rachel And you can read some stuff mm-hmm. with Blaine Except for that with Blaine, they're just like Just put a ton of, sh- just put plaid Oh my god The whole fucking thing <laughs> first, of, but I, first of all, put him in plaid Second of all, then we can talk about him Is uh, he wearing I- a bow tie or not? Like, that's kind of the extent of it Yeah. But
1: I also think right. they go out of their way to make curtain blank complimentary
4: of each other. Whatever one's wearing. If they're in a scene together, it's usually a complimentary sure. clothing choice. It's, and it's one of those things that explains, like, this is a couple that
1: works. I don't see that as much, like, with Bertana. I mean, granted, with Bertana, a lot of times they're wearing that stupid Cheerios uniform. But um, I was going to say, Tareen.
4: Matchy, school, matchy. Drinking a matcha.
1: <laughs> but even when they're not... Um, it's not. I don't feel
4: like it's as. I'm sure they are. I'm sure. Well, think we're those supposed are smart, to read Clane as emotionally complimentary, and we're supposed to read Britannia yeah. as sexually complimentary. And it's mm-hmm. what they do with Britannia is very basic. Um. So. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's talk about the fourth
1: wall or Glee's lack of fourth wall. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing that I've heard uh, Of criticism a little bit of Kurt But I want to just throw this out there To see what you guys have to say about it Is the fact that he's sometimes used as a mouthpiece for the show I don't necessarily disagree I do think he is oftentimes Especially like in season three When oh, they're yeah, having to do a, a moral of the story But um I, I wouldn't consider it a criticism mm-hmm. I do think most of the time It's part of his character But yeah, I do think it is a thing that happens I think he's oftentimes Used to express what you know, either what the writers want to put out
4: there Or what everybody's supposed to be feeling Or et cetera, et cetera Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: do you I think
4: have that's a true specific I mean, I think example. also he's, he's like the, oh, sane, um, the only sane man, you know Like, when yeah. other people say it You feel like, is this true? But when Kurt says it's like, oh yeah, that's I reality
1: almost all of On My Way is this um, Where <sighs> yeah. uh, Kurt's reaction to Karofsky um, Like that speech He gives him in the hospital bed I think that is all um all the writers kind of writing through Kurt on on that subject. I think Michael okay. is a an example um where Kurt takes the higher road and when he says, you know, we have to be better than that and I have to be I think that is more the writer speaking than a Kurt characterization. Um, those are the two main examples that come to my head. Um, I don't think it's all the time, I think the season three becomes like the biggest time that they do it because it's the most time that they are trying to have these conversations that are anvil hitting and, and then they kind of like season four, they back off it a bit. but um, I think it started, with this whole idea in season two with born this way. Yes. Born this way was really big part of Kurt's character, but it was also a way for them to, um, say, you know, let's take a look at these, the gay rights stuff. Let's take a look at, you know, being your own person and it becomes a little bit more awkward. And a little bit more mouthpiece-y in season 3. And then when Kurt's character isn't in season 4 as much. They, they back off of it. And kind of let him be his
4: own character again. Um, well, I mean. he's He is the only sane man. Sometimes. And they also. They also. Uh, I don't know if it's unintentional or intentional. But they root him as. The moral center of the show. Yeah. And so. And he also is able to deliver lines, like, and you think of the quarterback, like, Kurt is the narrator of that episode. He leads the audience through that episode. Mm-hmm. And he does that because as much as he's having things that are feelings, we've supposed to, we've, we've come to understand that he, like, what he's saying is the least hyper-reality in this very hyper-real universe. Mm. Yeah. Um, Will lost his ability to do that Very early in season one. Um, And most of the other characters they have are either lesser characters, so it doesn't have the same effect, or very self-centered characters, so you would question it. Um, I mean, I think there's a few times where they have Finn play that role, and it doesn't work. Um, Well, and I also... I think so. that, I
1: mean, it also happens, and I think this is, this was more of a Chris writing thing than a Kurt thing or than, than the show. But season, that Old Dogs New Tricks gets very preachy. But I, I, that's Chris's writing. That's how he is in his, you know, young adult writing and his, his uh, middle school writing.
4: But you know, I didn't, so. I don't find that dissimilar from Glee. No. I, think I almost that wonder the way if his it's writing written, is influenced by but anyway. Well, I mean, you have a whole lifetime of things that you bump into and of course everything is influential one way or another. Um, I just the things the things that I thought were, you know, a little preachy in Old Dogs New Tricks were not anything different or as bad or worse than any of the other things were they got a little preachy other times as well. Yeah, I, agree I mean, that. that's just, yeah, I agree. it just seemed like a very glee thing to do.
3: Yeah. Oh, actually the sense. more
4: the more glee thing to do would have been to just drop the, the story halfway the story through and not through, revisit yeah. it. But, but he didn't do that. He actually went back through and was like very thorough with all of his characters and all of his things and, and wrapped it up in the glee way. So I think it works.
3: So. I, I can honestly say that that's nothing that's nothing that I've ever thought of before so I'm really gonna have to ruminate on that one a little bit more okay, before I can sure. come up with any thoughts
1: oh that's fine and like it's okay I mean because Julia I think one of the most fascinating things of doing this podcast with you on it you're always like never thought of it that way in a Wow, maybe I am like totally like I really appreciate your different perspective. And sometimes I'm like so bogged down in, you know, oh fandom did this and fandom said this and fandom is analyzing this and and the, your ability to just enjoy the thing as it is and as it's presented, um, mm-hmm. is refreshing um, and reminds me that you know yeah you there there may be issues and I may get too caught up in, I don't like this story structure, but it's okay to, to have imperfections and then to just enjoy the thing. So.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I can definitely represent that of, I just really enjoyed Glee and I enjoyed reading meta and thinking about things, but, um, and I always love hearing new perspectives that I hadn't considered before. So. That's why I enjoy being on the podcast. So,
1: Well, yeah, all of you guys, are just it's so great to have different perspectives from my own. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate you guys, all of you, and everybody that comes on because it's not me. And if I was just talking to me, it'd be an echo chamber. And to have people challenge my viewpoints is a good thing. And mm-hmm. So, Okay, so um, I guess this is just kind of throwing this out here to you guys. What do you think? What was Kurt's purpose or role on the show? Did he grow beyond that? And does his character have a message or need
4: to have a message? Well, I don't think the characters have to have a message. I think that they do end up having them. Um, It's hard to say what his purpose was because there's what they intended and what I took in. Um, so, you know, like, uh, we were talking about being a mouthpiece, like, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the, the writers intend one thing and fandom takes in St. Kurt, right. And St. Kurt is frustrating. Fine. Cause not being bad, but frustrating because it's like, I want, I want more of my character and less of the mouthpiece. Um, I do think you know if you were to sum up the character, it's definitely the like it's the it's get better campaign, because um, yeah. <laughs> you know he's we see we meet him, he gets thrown in a dumpster, we see him yeah. at the end and fucking has everything in the world. So Can We take awesome. that
1: and appreciate the fact that they did genuinely take the it's get it,
4: God
1: yeah, now it I gets better. No. <laughs> it's got Ben Midler, <laughs> but they changed it to it's got it's got Ben Midler
4: as in like <laughs> they changed
1: the narrative on the show. You know it's it's not they like, did. They did so it's really cool.
4: I mean, I do think I think he he definitely grew beyond what they had intended because he was l- the the character and the actor were sort of limitless in the ability to do things and it pushed Glee to do certain things and I'm so happy that people responded to it positively because then I got more of what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
4: I mean, he grew, Hugely beyond what was intended even after they decided to have it be an actual current character like once they decided to have a current character then he he grew beyond that and um it I feel like a lot of his purpose still maintains that like moral compass of the show
0: mm-hmm. um mm-hmm.
4: Because, well, again, the other ones Will, Finn, Rachel, Kurt Those are the four main people in my opinion Well, Will and Rachel don't really have a moral compass So, you know, by <laughs> no. default he has one But also, you know um, And, I mean, I think it was It was great for representation And I'm so glad that Glee's representation Grew beyond this white cis homosexual uh i think that that was huge and i think that the legacy of kurt is an expansion beyond i mean the legacy of kurt is this one really nice story that he has and also an expansion beyond all those things into the other things that we could start to be and you know we talk about kurt and the fourth wall kurt and media like because of kurt it fundamentally changed the kind of media that we have, the kind of culture in the U S that's around and the kinds of things that people are happy to see. And it fundamentally changed, um, this fandom that, you know, uh, early in season one, the kinds of things that were being produced in this fandom were very different than what was being produced by the end of season one, certainly by season two um, and moving forward. Uh, and all of that has to do with Kurt. Mm-hmm. He's the yeah. linchpin or the keystone or well, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Me likey. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: Kind of going in a different direction, I threw this in here Because I've always thought it was an interesting thing That has been kicked around in the Kurt fandom a little bit But this whole idea of Kurt and in relationship with death And I don't necessarily Subscribe to some of the extremes that Various people have come up with about over the years But I just thought I'd throw it in there and see what if you guys had Opinions on this idea that Kurt is very connected to death That Kurt is a character who embodies Death like features Um dark features Etc etc
4: I mean I've, I've read a lot Of that meta and I find it interesting But I have a hard time Expressing Expressing it back Like I don't I feel like I don't have the right Words For Sure
3: like, I, I, think can't, I can't, I can't answer that, that just question a... <laughs> Yeah I <clears throat> Excuse me. I would also agree that I've read a lot of the meta, and I find it fascinating. Um, I don't find Kurt to be a dark character, and so um, it it spins that meta in my head. To you know, if Kurt's not a dark character, but he's so surrounded in death, what does that make death? And what does death mean to him in mm-hmm. that case? Um, so, mm. so if you wanted to think of it that way, I've
2: that's very interesting.
3: You know, toyed around with that a little bit, but it's not something that I have been able to like put down into words and put down into a nice little essay that I could share with anybody else either. So, no, uh, yeah, I can't I, either. Oh, sorry, Go ahead, Kelly.
2: I, I feel the same way. I I have, I have read a lot of the meta. It is very interesting. He does have a lot of storylines that. Have to do with death. I mean, we see that with obviously his mother, um, his father, almost, and Pavarotti does. Pavarotti and you
3: know things like actual death. And then Finn and there's, there's the um, Finn. Oh yeah, and there's Finn. And and also. and as Snarky was saying of him being the mouthpiece mm-hmm. for Finn's death. I mean, it certainly is surrounding him. Mm-hmm.
2: And then he wears a lot of skulls and things in his in his wardrobe. Maybe he just likes the way it looks, but I, I, yeah. I, don't know, I think it's cool. I think well, and,
1: there. and there's always this. Um, I guess part of that meta was like that. Blaine was his connection to the outside world, um, and I, no, I can't even articulate myself how what I think or or how to go about it. It's just it's interesting meta that is out there that I don't know if I can comment on yeah um with any kind of verbose uh analysis but um It's out there, guys. If you ever want to see people's commentary about how Kurt is related to death and how he is a bearer of death-like things and this darker aspect of, you know, life, um, it's there. uh, But Mm -hmm. it maybe goes a little deeper into unintentional analysis than I think is there. But it is an
4: interesting thing to look at thematically if one was to to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, when you post this one, I'll look for... Some of what I think are the better worded well, examples of some the, of those things. The champion of um, it was um,
1: letters from Titan, and I'm sure she has a tag. Oh, I'm sure she does. Yeah, because she yeah. was the, the really the only real huge advocate of it. But I also think that was partly of their perspective as well. That kind of because I do think in general. Characters become prisms of your own experiences, and you reflect out mm-hmm. through you project out uh, what you put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so,
2: yeah, that's a really good way of putting it.
1: Um, um, like for me, I, like I said, the gay fairy tale part of it, but that's me enjoying, you know, a romantic uh, story and um, enjoying that self growth and, and stuff like that. Through the character So I mean I've had I've seen in my travels a lot of people who Projected a lot of things through Kurt Which sounds kind of weird when I word it like that But
4: um, <laughs> No it's, I think that's fair Yeah, I mean one of the things that's great About fandom is that you You interact with these characters in your own Mind and your own sense of things And they get imbued with the, With the Humanity of yourself and your own Creativity And your own weirdness as needed. And. You know everything gets enriched from there out. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. Pretty much. I now kind of wonder. What. It would have looked like if Glee had covered Hadestown. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. Because I mean that's new. So it's not like we have any kind of. Glee references. But would. Kurt have been attracted or. Um, Aligned himself with the character of Hades or Somebody else I don't know
1: That's interesting it's actually And maybe this is an aside that I may Cut out of the actual podcast but So in my special secret project that I'm Working on um, Is a a Flash forward in a way um, And it's kind of this Final like story arc Before the finale of the Actual show um, but like set Like five years later and um, Artie writes this, you know, play where everybody's a mythological, like a Greek hero or Greek villain or whatever. And he says, hey, Kurt, do you want to be Hades? And he rejects it. And he's like, no, I'm tired of, you know, being, you know, rep- or like seen as this. I want to try something else. And then Blaine takes it on. Um, so it, it gets to be hmm. it's a fascinating hmm. thing. But anyway. That's just me and my, you know, exploring things through writing thing. So, mm-hmm. cool.
4: But cut that out. Don't spoil it. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. So, uh, the the last
1: thing I want to I wanted to touch upon this because it isn't it's something I've mentioned a lot on the podcast throughout the episodes, but not maybe necessarily in these, you know, um, thematic things. Is his relationship with Sue because it's not something <laughs> oh. that I really. Noticed until I started doing the actual analysis And meta but there is a whole Relationship there with Sue Throughout the entire series starting in Season one when he makes over Her in the Madonna episode And ever since then
0: Uh Sue
1: is More tolerable of Kurt Than she is of pretty much All the rest of the characters Mm -hmm. except for Becky Um and And maybe Quinn um and So it's just a fascinating thing to look at and to track because there's so much, it's so weird. It's not a, it's not a mentor or mentee. It's, it's just two people who well, more. So Sue having a certain level of respect for Kurt in a way that she doesn't for basically most everyone
4: else. Um, yeah. I think for lack of a better term, she likes him. Yeah. Um, she respects him. She, he is the only person that she allows to, choose their own nickname. He chooses porcelain and she sticks with it. And she mm-hmm. doesn't show anyone else that level of respect. Um, so she doesn't give she doesn't give Becky very many nicknames. But like you know Becky is is her confidant. Becky is her close friend. So Becky's not really in the same category. Um but their relationship is significantly different than everyone else's and certainly anybody in the glee club she fundamentally doesn't respect anybody in the glee club but she has a very warm and feeling for Kurt she and does with Quinn then, but I, it's a different it's a different, it's different kind of relationship i mean she's even so warm to kurt that you can read in season 4 that she's mad at Blaine yeah uh, um there was mm. a i
2: Somebody tweeted Jane Lynch one time um, and asked her, like, what does Kurt, like, why does Sue, like, like, like Becky and Kurt so much? And Jane replied, innocence. I'm not sure if I agree that Becky or Kurt is really innocent.
4: innocent, Yeah, definitely. No. (laughs) Yeah. No. Maybe she means, like, not murderous and guilty and bad, like, not out to harm other people. So Becky's a little bit out to harm other people.
2: (laughs) Well, xylophones in particular. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> exactly Well but it even
1: like it's kind of When you watch the finale kind of in its own Thing and they go in And they actually thank Sue and Sue is like you know and then gives All the rundown of Kurt and it's A little like wait a minute where is this even coming from Why are they even having this conversation with Sue In the first place but oh, there's enough A lot
4: of sense there that it makes I, I thought it was I, I'm really glad they revisited in the finale Because I think it would have been kind of Missing otherwise because I do think that kurt and sue have a strange bond mm-hmm. Like a respect of one another uh, On top of it. I think that sue has become
1: Even by you know in season six she has become such a Part of the audience a mouthpiece for the audience a commentary on the show itself
4: mm-hmm. That it
1: makes sense that she would take a moment and say you know, you are the
4: part of it that, that really worked and really resonated with people. Yeah. And then I thought it was funny that she said, Blaine, I don't really get you. Um, <laughs> because I, I do think that, I mean, she, she could have been, I mean, she said in, um, you know, she says separately, both Kurt and Blaine are very irritating, but together they're this magical thing and she loves them. Um, but really she does have a soft spot for Kurt. And I like the fact that they went through this whole thing, this big, meaningful thing. And then there's this great punchline of, I don't really get you though, Blaine. So it's like, it's, it's not really a dig at Blaine. It's more like a, you know, it's being really serious, but I have to find a way to like bring it back. And the fact of the matter is it's true. She doesn't really get Blaine and Blaine reciprocates with, I don't really get you either. And that's true. And it's a great little moment of, like, the three of them are kind of sitting there reflecting on the story arcs that they've had together and the the life cycles that they've lived together. And there is this one that has a connection and has a relationship and has a history. And then there's this other one where it's like, we don't really get each other at all. And I think that's a really fair way to talk about Blaine and Sue. Mm -hmm. And it also, was funny, it was really funny When she was like, I don't really get you And he's like, yeah, I don't get you either <laughs> I also think it's a an interesting
1: Reflection on how there are these Various parts of Glee Glee is very isolated in its stories In some ways, and you know Whatever's going on with Sue Usually isn't going on with Blaine I mean, I know they had like feud and everything like that But like, there are these different pockets Of stories going on in the Glee universe That don't intersect with each other And when they do, it's usually like, yeah, you're this thing.
4: Okay. Moving well, forward. you know. could easily read that Sue started shit with Blaine because she was mad at him about Kurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could. <laughs> it's there. It's there. So. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not for the Andersons. they ruined their credit, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um. So... Kind of i
1: mean unless there's something That you guys is there anything in the Series before i kind of get into the us part Of it um any Story points any thematic issues Anything that is part of kurt's Story that you feel like we have not touched Upon that i'm missing in some Respect
3: I don't Mm. think
4: so Okay Oh, somebody using a chainsaw uh, Not me uh, Yeah that's a sound near me I don't know what is happening <laughs> Which, Unfortunately it's me so it's loud I'll just cover that's my good. microphone That's okay <laughs> um,
1: So um, Let's talk about Kurt and us mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to kind of Ask you guys individually um, why, is, why do you love Kurt And why is his story something that you're So passionate about Hold <laughs> on Chainsaw massacre over there <laughs>
4: okay. Going over here okay. Is this better? Yes sure. At least for um, now <laughs> I'll go and then I'm going to mute myself okay. um, So obviously like, I love him I love him, and I think I love him partially because I identify, and then also partially because it opened up a whole world of things, and so I get, like, the things that I like, the things that I think are funny, the songs that I like, the angst that's enjoyable, you know, I get all, I get all of those things, and along with those things, I get this greater universe of wonderful, I mean, I get Blaine, awesome. You know, I get all of this other stuff that's just really meaningful and fun. Um, I guess is the best way to put it. Cool. Um,
2: I think with me, um, are, are you all finished? Okay. Um, I think with me, um, I think I, I, think I related a lot to Kurt. Is I, you know, I was like this weird. I mean, growing up, I was this weird closeted kid and who, who loved musicals, and um, I had a dead parent and. I, you know, I related to Kurt a lot on those levels. I mean I never started dating as early as he did because um, it was the, a different time. <laughs> um, but I really, and, and also like Glee came into my life. it was kind of a difficult time in my life so um, so I, so it came along at a time when that I really needed it so I think that's why part of why it's so meaningful to me.
3: Cool yeah I think my my thoughts are running in similar lines here. Um, i really I really related to Kurt and his crush on Finn and how it went so poorly and just how that affected his, you know, those early years of high school. High school was a really traumatizing time for me. And so to see, That being reflected on the television, I really resonated to those stories in the beginning. Um, And then over time, you know, it was one of those things where I just noticed that I was noticing him so much, even when he wasn't really on the screen. Like all of his background moments, when, when those weren't happening in season four, I really noticed the absence of them. And so it's been something where, you know, um in the beginning of, there was a lot of there was a lot of me just feeling like a general Glee fan, being aware of Kurt, and then his story just evolving and changing and this romance that he got to have was just so beautiful and powerful and um it made me become a Klain fan and seek out fandom. And I think it's also being a part of fandom that really meant that changed my perspective of Kurt as well. Because I was reading other people's meta and other people's thoughts about him. And having people love Kurt as much as I loved Kurt enforced that. And so, you know, it was this beautiful growing positive enforcement of, you know, reinforcement of how much this character meant to me and being part of a fandom that loved him and could talk about him and his flaws and then talk about, um, his interaction and his relationship with Blaine and getting to know Blaine and this whole entire experience, I think really, um, fandom heightened it, um, and brought me a lot of joy because of that And, you know, because of being involved in fandom I got to meet other people And so it it has been such a positive experience for me um, And I can't separate out my love for Kurt Out of that entire mix oh.
4: Awesome
3: awesome. Yeah, yeah. I forgot to mention fandom I agree thing too, Yeah, that I,
4: I can't separate my love fans. from love of everything mm.
2: Yeah, I forgot to mention yeah,
4: fandom I too can't <laughs> separate Oh, yeah. Um, And I don't want to. No. (laughs) No, I don't (laughs) want to. I,
1: Kurt, like you guys, in a lot of ways, I mean, I'm very different from Kurt in a lot of ways. Um, There's a lot of Chris that I I relate to, but uh, this characters just something that i've i've grown attached to through all of my fandomy things and yeah there's a big part of like this community that's become a community and and all of these people that i've met and but i i also really like stories and i really like looking at stories and looking at characters and dissecting what is going on And Kurt becomes such a when you break him down and when you start seeing what Glee is doing and when you see how I can relate to this to my own life and to things that I know and have experienced and and tying that all up together has been such a fascinating journey um, that this character has just been so amazing and such a, a goldmine of things to, to to work through and play through and and write and Look at and to you know, just look at the story as a whole It has been so much fun Um that Even as we wind down tbd and even as you know, I'm we all move into different parts of our lives Kurt is very much always going to be a part of me and always going to be a character Who has resonated with me and was very important to me at a certain point of life and That means something Everything that you know Comes in through your life And if it has an emotional resonance It makes you a part of who you are And Mm -hmm. Kurt has become a part of me So Yeah
3: Yeah Can we not say goodbye to him? I mean I don't I don't plan (laughs) on it You keep saying This (laughs) is our goodbye thing And I'm like Well on the podcast Yeah And TDB is
4: going to end Oh yes. I mean it's gonna stay up. It's not gonna get deleted. Yeah, it's not gonna go anywhere. But um But it is uh, going to sunset. Just like in <laughs> all of the promo material for Endgame,
1: every journey has its end. Um <laughs> and but as as Kurt tells us, um we're we're never gonna say goodbye. So okay. um okay. I would like to take a moment and just say just to express my internal gratitude for the character that Chris Colfer created because I yeah. don't think that Chris as Kurt would have been as successful without the just talents that Chris brought and everything mm-hmm. that he gave to the role. So yeah. I'm yeah. not mm-hmm. doing um, any kind of Kurt or, or Darren, uh, Chris or Darren um, appreciation podcast. So I felt like let's mm-hmm. do a moment at the end here for just,
4: I know I, that. Okay. I will say this. I would love to see Chris Colfer act more. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I admit on an emotional level, I'm not really ready for it not to be Kurt. Like, mm. you know, I. The other times when he was acting, uh, well, Glee was still going, and Kurt would come back, and so it wasn't that jarring, but there's going to be a part of me that's going to long for seeing Kurt again, and I think I think it's very smart for him, um, planned or unplanned, to not be acting right now because anything he's going to do is going to be compared to Kurt, because Kurt is so huge. I mean, that's just how it is when you're on a major show. And mm-hmm. I mean, you look at how things have gone for Leah Michelle, who was very much racial, um, you know, parts after Rachel. I mean, I, in, on some ways it was like, it was launched too soon because it was too much, mm-hmm. um, for people to adjust to it, not being Rachel or the character she played was essentially Rachel. Um, So I feel like we're going to have a cushion of time. And then at some point in the future, we're going to be presented with yet another wonderful thing. And I'm fine. I can wait. In the meantime, he's creating an army of small children who want to make the world a better place, (laughs) which is awesome. (laughs) Uh, You know, I don't read middle school grade fiction, but it's pretty fucking cool. The stuff that's happening and I can appreciate um those choices. I want him to sing. I want him to sing. Can you sing, please? Can I have more singing now?
3: Yes. I want the singing. You sing Come now up for with me. That charity. That's you sing really, now that for charity me. Charity concert it. that he was talking about. Yeah, I, that's a yeah, I, I need it. Uh, Amber? What the hell? I mean yeah. like, I,
4: he doesn't want to sing next to Amber because she's so good.
3: Well yeah, that's true. Why,
4: why would anyone want to sing next to Amber?
2: But can we also um, have a moment of silence for the Noel Cowher movie that will never be? Oh. Oh. See, and I, no, I you know. Know,
4: we have the moment of moaning. It's moaning. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, because you look at like if you look at Darren and his what he did, I think was he did different. role. I mean, he jumped right into Hedwig and then he jumped right into being a serial killer. And those things were different enough. And and. You know him doing all of these other sorts of things Well, on Glee it, it gave The transition for that I thought Was
4: you know I don't different. think Darren was typecast As Blaine no. no And I think That Darren has Had the ability to be To be Blaine and be bigger Than Blaine and be different than Blaine It was hard for me to watch that Versace show And not just see evil Blaine it kind of I mean, looked like to be fair i, I it, kinda saw that but you know it kind of just seemed like evil. i mean he did a great job and but it was, it, but it was like i'm watching this thing and i'm just thinking about all of the like evil blaine fics i've read over the, all the serial killer <laughs> blaine fics because there was some real similarities there um but right. i also saw him in hedwig and he was great i mean it's great material but he was great in that and he wasn't in that at all well, um, but I
3: also think it goes back to that what we were talking about earlier of Chris getting the uh, the time 100 award not necessarily because of everything that he's done but because of Kurt and yeah. it's going to take a really a lot to break him out of acting roles that aren't going to be immediately, thought of as kurt
1: yeah but i think on top of it i think it is also he personally seems to i'm not gonna say that i know him and understand him but he seems to not want to have that amount of spotlight on him i think it was very yeah. difficult to be that thrust into the, the spotlight where he wasn't able to retreat and, and yes. have his
4: own private life yeah and, and he, to be he, so young and to deal, with, I mean, he dealt with it fab- fabulously well, I mean, But to be so young, that- to deal with all of those things To deal with the, I mean, Glee was a motherfucker of a show it So was. I respect anybody who's like, I'm tired Like, if you listen to that podcast that Jenna and Kevin do She's like, I just want a podcast forever This is the best shit ever Like, I don't want right. to fucking go to work and do all these things Like, this is my yeah. dream job So, you know, he has this job where he can kind of be relaxed, be a homebody, focus on his own personal life. Um, He's still doing a ton. Jesus Christ, it's like a book a day. But, (laughs) you know, it's it's very much on his terms, which is, you know, um, if you aren't a content creator, then you are in the hustle trying to get somebody to let you be a part of their content. Mm -hmm. So it's a smart move. I'm cool with it. Um, I you know, I I want more than I'm currently getting, but I totally understand. <laughs> and it feels like feels like a long-range plan. And that's cool. Yes. And in the meantime, you see these kids who have these like super meaningful stories. And it's so wonderful. Like it's just it's so incredibly wonderful. What a nice person. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so. Um, Let's end it
1: And I know you guys are going to hate me for doing this But I'm going to make you do it anyway Um, Let's end it um, If you guys could Narrow it down to Maybe your favorite couple of Kurt moments on the show Oh gosh I mean pull up the Wikipedia Look at the episode list See if we can (laughs) I can cut out the dead space Don't worry Okay Uh, (laughs) Hmm Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be a performance or a, a speech mm-hmm. or just a moment well, a Clearly, thing, there's or... not
4: the boy next door. That's got everything.
2: <laughs> oh, the one that—the um, one that I had that used to be—it used to inspire my former username. Which my username used to be "Will Work for Kurt." It, it was based on his line: "One day you will all work for me." I love Ugh. that so much. I made it my username.
3: That's that is awesome. a from great
4: one. the pilot. From the pilot. I, I also—no, um, she's dead. This is her son. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I think it's from showmance I think it's the second time he yeah. thrown in the dumpster. Yeah, yeah
4: he gets thrown in the dumpster once too. and then the second time he's like, fuck you guys. Which is oh, you know true. what? Okay, he's right.
3: Yes. Um, um, so I think my favorite scenes are going to be um grilled cheeses. Because that was just a good so good choice. It's a good choice. And I cannot pick a scene from it because the emotions from the very beginning when he's having this disagreement with his father through the entire thing were just beautiful um, yeah. and um, such a powerful episode. And I love rewatching that episode. And then I think my my second one that I'm going to go for is going to be um, season six, Loser Like Me, and mm-hmm. the breakdown in in the... Um, in callbacks? No, is it callbacks? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Scandals um, callbacks. Scandals. 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 There we go. Uh, All right, four. I was wrong. So in, in scandals, but but also his again that entire emotional reaction that he had through the entire thing, the breakup scene where he was trying to end things, and um, I mean it's. It's terrible and it's painful But the emotions are so raw there Um, And then coming back to Rachel And being so despondent And um, I loved it all So I'll I'll do those two episodes Of when Kurt was Very sad and very emotional Those are moments that will Always resonate with me
4: Yeah, he's
3: good at that Mm.
4: I mean I like the moments Of triumph I like the dumb jokes Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
3: yeah. The sarcasm the canary, the, the
4: canary <laughs> in the coal mine. I mean, I'll, perfect. <laughs> I, I. Whew. Well, I'll I'll yeah. go. I have two.
1: The two. I'm just, uh, just going to agree with everything you guys said. Okay. Yeah. Well okay. I can figure out one. <laughs> um, uh, two, because they're they're smaller things, and I feel like they say so much about. Maybe sides of Kurt that people may not register if you meet Kurt off the road or whatnot. But the first one um, is the first time on the auditorium stage when he's like, you take my breath away. Because that is when I fell in love, really, with the character. And there's this just soft, romantic side that he doesn't show everybody. But Blaine gets to see it. And it's such a vulnerable moment that Kurt doesn't always get to be... Um that I just think it's a very Beautiful moment um the other one Kind of in the same vein Um but just for the expressions And the the comment. And so Kurt Is just right after Blaine Kisses him for the first time And he's like you know I, just his looks on his Face and mm-hmm. stunning mm-hmm. And the shock mm-hmm. and then The moment when, when Kurt Blaine's like you know we should Practice and Kurt just goes You know I thought we were And that like just that snarky bit of cart curtness comes out and it's totally him and takes blaine by surprise and i thought we were as great just a beautiful moment not and it's unexpected i don't feel like you know you know Kurt. you don't expect necessarily that he's gonna do that and yeah so those are mine
2: Yeah, I know that I have a ton more um, Of favorite Kurt moments So I just can't think of I just can't narrow it down right now Oh, that's fine I'm just going to get His entire existence is my favorite So (laughs) Same Come on, you got to pick one
1: moment
4: Um, Because I'm mean
1: and I'm going to make you (laughs) Hmm
4: Oh, there's so many. Mm. Dead space Dead Space, Dead Space. <laughs> well, we're not yeah, live, that so that it's that fine. <laughs> it's true This will all um, go away. I do I do love the Triumph of Not the not the boy next door. So maybe I'll just stick with that one. Okay. Yeah.
1: That one's great. You're and maybe think of like
4: fifty of them once you get it. I off. will, and I'm gonna be like, <laughs> card blast. Here's all the things. Oh, man.
1: I should make a post, though. My top 50 favorite Kurt moments on the show. Um, (laughs) It's just going to be a
4: clip. Just an edit of just his whole everything. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) (laughs) A three-hour video of all the clips. (laughs) Here's my favorite part. Wait a minute. This is
0: everything. (laughs) Mm.
1: Okay, guys. Well, I think we've reached the end of the podcast. Unless there's anything else that you guys want to
4: tack on. Um, Well, there's definitely more I'm going to want to say and more I'm going to want to blog about, but I feel comfortable with the conversation we've had yes, and Mm -hmm. the arc of the podcast overall, and I feel really at peace with this project, Sunsetting, because it's been so wonderful, it's been very thorough, and... I just i'm at this point like i'm just appreciative of what there is i'm interested in other stuff but i'm not i'm not lacking anything like i feel very yeah. fulfilled that's good i feel oh, like God.
2: that's what i felt after glee ended with like i, feel, I felt like it, it wrapped up at the right time like it went out on a high yeah. note it's yes. it On it didn't run on too long like some shows just run on for like 15 years and it's it's just gets ridiculous so i'm glad that glee wasn't one of those shows like that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah good cool um so yeah i i yeah i didn't expect i knew we were gonna talk longer i didn't expect three hours but it's still it's solid it's not like i'm gonna be cutting a lot out of this um so yeah it's Thank you guys for for having a, a, this long conversation about Kurt, about this character we love so much. There will be a Blaine one for those of you sulking in the background about Blaine. Um, <laughs> I've not forgotten about you. We love you too. I'm super excited I to hear Blaine. the Blaine one
4: because I think I could probably do a few hours of podcasting on my favorite things about Blaine. But it's always interesting to me because I feel like people bring up more stuff that I wouldn't necessarily highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, Blaine is. So interesting And I'm so glad we got The later seasons of Glee Because it means we got The fully The more fully fleshed out Blaine Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted for him Yep Because nothing Um, else would be good enough for Kurt (laughs) Really (laughs) Uh, I mean I do
1: believe I will be posting The Kurt and Blaine ones at the same time So it's like an A side and a B side So go ahead and check out the B side Which is clearly the Blaine side Um and B is for Blaine. B is for Blaine. Um, next Sunday, you know, our schedule is so jumbled. I'm not entirely sure what's ordering. B there. is for I-
4: bow tie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but we'll have some fun new content for you next Sunday. And yeah, I will see you next week.
0: But now they're okay.
4: Only me or my. You're the apple of my eye. Girl, I never loved
0: one like you. Found you hiding here, so Uh, won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular. Laure.